Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. everybody and welcome back once again the simpsons is greater than a podcast all about the simpsons no matter the shape form or medium as always i'm your host botter and you may know me from my instagram account the short box yo yo uh, Bot, oh shit what the fuck are you Dude, doing you were on bathroom break and i i thought i'd warm up the mics Dude, you can at least you're not even playing the right theme song bro. You're, this is a halloween episode you're not even playing the right song just start it oh no, run it back I'm smarter than the devil. I'm smarter than the devil. You are not smarter than me. I'll see you in hell yet, Homer Simpson. Yo, everybody, and welcome back once again to a special Halloween edition of Simpsons is Greater Than, being recorded in person for the first time ever. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You might know me from my Simpsons collection over on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not... When you're done with this episode, do me a personal favor. Do me a spooky Halloween favor and slide over to the Instagram and check it out. I mean, it's it's basically impossible that you wouldn't like it. And while I'm talking about being in person, who do I have here with me today? Yo, it's been a long time. Oh I should my have left God. You. It is the other pod boy himself, Botter Milligan, hmm. on this Halloween special of Simpsons is greater than. How you doing, Butter? Yeah, I'm feeling good, man. Live from the Short Box Studio. Mm. Got a special guest. Oh, come on. Not even. It's not even my show. You know, it's not even my show. We recorded it on, but you know, we're doing it live from the Short Box Studio, and, and I appreciate having you through. I'm feeling good. Oh man, I'm feeling great, and I gotta say, uh, being someone who started a podcast from his room. Uh, and only doing them on Zoom for the last uh, two years, or I will say about a year. Uh, it is really cool to uh, just sit down and record an episode for my podcast live in person with another uh, human being. So I'm feeling real good about that. We're social creatures. <laughs> it is great. It is great to be here. And it is great to talk about Halloween. Uh, I prompted everyone to chime in with some, uh, answer a couple questions uh, about Treehouse of Horror, about Halloween costumes related to The Simpsons. And I just really, really, really wanted to kick off October with an episode about Halloween. I love Halloween, uh, and there's just no better time to do that than right away. I mean, why wait till later in the month? Let's just kick off October the right way. You know what I'm saying? How many, uh, how many comments total did you um, get on that post? I'm honestly too many, and I'm going to go ahead and apologize up top uh, for uh, not being able to read all of them. I would have just copied and pasted every single one of them, but I just, man, it was tough. And I also said from the jump, I was going to read just the best ones. So maybe reevaluate if I don't read your comment. 
<laughs> no, there were just a simply passive way of saying step step up your comment game. There were simply just too many uh, comments, and some people, you know, gave just a short answer. They didn't really give me like a story. Uh, so maybe next time I'll read your comment. But thanks to everyone that left one. So Botter, tell me right up top before we before we dig into these episodes and really get things uh, going for the point of the episode. How do you feel about Halloween and where does it rank in uh, like, where does this time of year rank in holidays for you? I think currently right now it, it ranks somewhere in like the, the middle. Uh, Cause I'll be honest, uh, Halloween was never my favorite um, uh, um, holiday growing up. And I think primarily it just reminded me of, uh, of how, uh, of the struggle bus that we were on. Like growing <laughs> up, we just did like, my parents weren't really into Halloween. They, you know, they weren't into the whole spooky thing. Um, if anything, they weren't really big into like some of the imagery that kind of comes with Halloween. Sure. Uh, but as kids, it was also the time of year that we were reminded we couldn't afford fucking uh, costumes. <laughs> uh, granted, it was like, you know, four or five of us. So I don't blame them. So it, I've got a weird um, um, relationship with Halloween, but as I've grown up and, and made, you know, uh, made friends and, and whatnot, folks like you, like Cesar, my friends over at Straight Chilling Crew, and kind of learning that it's actually a thing, you know, it's like a month-long thing and, oh, yeah. and the love that it gets for um, uh, for some people. It's made me appreciate it in new ways. As an adult that can afford his own Halloween costumes or made it, you know, and having made <laughs> some myself, I have a newfound appreciation for Halloween. And, and honestly, I feel like I kind of, um, I get hype via like a uh, uh, third or, or second hand i get second hand excitement hype so when oh, i yeah. see folks like like you you and emily or, or cesar and his wife sarah start decorating and, and treating it like a month-long fucking party oh baby i get hype now oh it's a it's a party for sure and trust me i feel you on that uh i spent a lot of halloweens uh as a you know a zombie or a uh, let's say, you know, a wrestler, uh, where my costume was a little bit of face paint and, uh, you know, a wrestling t-shirt. So I, I had my, my share, I had my fair share of budget costumes. Uh, so I, it didn't stop me though. I had to get that candy. Yeah. Like, I, oh, for sure. That was, um, that was, I mean, the absolute best part. The prominent Halloween memories I have was during our time living in like this really big apartment complex. So when Halloween came around, it was like, my mom was like, look, I don't buy candy for you guys throughout the year because this is the year y'all better go out and get it. One year, she, one year we drove her crazy asking for um, costumes. And I think my dad was like on this crazy long deployment. And we were just driving her crazy. And um, she ended up putting us in our pajamas and was like, look, now you're ninjas. Go out there. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, no one believed us when we went to like their door like, you were ninjas. Yo. They're like, no, y'all look like y'all ready for bed. No, straight up. Well, what what was, you know, if you're going out trick-or-treating, what what Come was the candy on, you were trying to get, man? Like what was the what was the main thing you were out for on Halloween candy-wise? Some people might say I'm, I'm, I'm a psycho for my love of Almond Joys and Mounds. Dude. Come on, but, man. But, but, all right. No, I love no, an Almond Joy. We're on the same page. Yes. Because we're both coconut chocolate fans. Yes. But you know, like, coconut chocolate fans get a lot of slander we for do. no reason. And I just don't get it because clearly they don't see how great an Almond Joy is. You get, like, three different things. Uh, a fucking almond, a uh, chocolate, and coconut. You know? I recently heard uh, someone talk about Almond Joy. I believe it was uh, I believe it was on an episode of Good Mythical Morning from a few years ago. Uh, and Rhett was saying... Uh, you know, what an Almond Joy does for you is right in the title, man. It brings you joy. You got that chocolate, well you got said. that coconut, and you got just a little bite of almond, baby. I mean, come on. It's, it is a, it's a perfect treat. If it doesn't make you happy, I, I have spent my entire life, you know, I, I carry chips on my shoulder 
uh, for, about a lot of things. You know, I try to stand up for things that I like. Uh, and I've been on many, I've been in many an argument about an almond joy. So I'm happy to hear that we are on the same I, page. I almost had myself trained. I mean, even to this day, there's something about that particular shade of blue on that wrapper as a kid i trained my eye to catch it like when we would dump our candy and it literally be like a mound of candy i could pinpoint where the almond joys were and my 100%. brothers were like yeah just have it you fucking psycho <laughs> you know there could be some there could be an argument made that part of the reason we love them is no one else went for them so we just made do and we we that learned to it. love them that, that could, could be it but almond joys were my jam and uh and skittles i, I love me a good little mini a mini bag of skittles is the right amount of skills. I, I agree with you, man. I was going for I was going for the almond joy. I'm a big Butterfinger guy, mm. um, but I was also going for the Twizzlers. And Twizzlers to this day, one of my all time favorite candies. Anyone that listens to Pod Boys or has listened to Pod Boys <laughs> knows that I once ate a whole Twizzler <laughs> in the middle of an episode. I uh, just that shoved the whole right. thing in my mouth. One of the most psycho things yeah. uh, that I've ever done. But I stand by it, and I think everyone uh, should try it. Uh, so we're going to. We're going to talk about, uh, like I said, Simpsons costumes. I got some cool stories from all of you about your Simpsons costumes. But I want to put Botter on the spot real quick because he actually oh, dressed up as a Simpsons character a couple of years ago. Uh, and I want you to tell everyone about that because it was very sexy, and I don't want to. I don't want to keep my listeners from hearing about that. Where I'm, I'm trying to remember what year. It might have been 2018. I mean, it was. It was definitely when you know uh, it was okay to go to a full jammed out Halloween. I think house it was 2019. I think it was. I think it was 2019. I seem to remember it was like right before the fallout of society. You. <laughs> You're right. It's just been that long for me. Um, well, one of your... Okay, I, I found the picture. Oh, my God. You're right. Very good job. It was 2019. Hey. Um, you know, uh, me and my girlfriend, Blythe, were thinking like we normally do. Of course, like two days prior to Halloween, like, hey, what are we going to do for costumes? And she already had a great idea to do this epic Darkwing Duck um, costume. Oh, yeah. Uh, she killed it. And, you know, per the usual, I was kind of, you know, I was trying to make do with whatever I had in the house. But I think Warren, that was around the same time I might have had just like either either met you or we were like our friendship were really was really budding, and I was really getting back into watching The Simpsons. I think it was right after I was on the podcast for the first time. Okay, I, I think it was right after I was on Shortbox a couple months later. Then that makes sense because I I, I think I run. Okay, I remember just being really enthralled of catching back up with The Simpsons and watching the King Size Homer episode and thinking to myself. I wanted to do something Simpsons related because I was just uh, on it that heavy at that time. Right. And I was like, I could do King Size Homer. I could do, I wanted to do regular Homer, but I was like, ah, let me switch it up. Because um, <laughs> I wasn't sure how to go about like, you know, getting my, my skin like you know, that yellow. And I knew that if I did King Size Homer, which I, I just love that episode so much. Classic. The moo would be enough to cover <laughs> up and I wouldn't have to worry about so much yellow, right? Um, so... You were you were generous enough to provide the Homer mask, which oh, yeah. was a game changer. I ended up buying this uh, light blue Moomoo from like Etsy or something like that, and I and I was looking so hard to try to find the king size Homer Moomoo pre made, but I could not find it in the size I needed. Yeah, what is everybody doing out there? Why is no one selling a, a pre made Homer Moomoo? I mean, I get on that. Don't get it. Come I, on, you can find anything. You can find like a homemade Bobo teddy bear. Get on the get on the Moomoo. You know what I did find was a bunch of uh Moomoo shirts, but no right. Moomoo, you know, actual Moomoos. So I bought a light blue Moomoo and I decided to go ahead and get my arts and craft on and painted the the flowers, which 
was probably not the best way to go about it because I used regular ass paint. <laughs> so that shit like dried weird and made a complete mess in the house. Um, and then I, I managed to find like the uh, the little uh, golf cap pretty easy on, on Amazon. But Oh, you mean, I, you mean your fat guy hat? Yes. My fat <laughs> I'm washing my fat guy <laughs> hat, honey. Um, and I was able to find like some yellow under armor uh, for, the, uh, for the arms just fine. Perfect. And I had a blast making it, man. Like I showed up to the party we went to and you know your costume is hitting when you don't got to say shit. <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I remember I didn't even walk in the house. We had walked up the driveway and immediately, oh, I just heard it. Oh, my God. Is that <laughs> Homer? And it was it was on point. It was no. on point. Granted, I showed my dad the following week. He was like, what you do for Halloween? I was like, oh, I was king size Homer. He did not get it. <laughs> he was like, Wait, so you wore a muumuu the whole time? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, so this is going to shock everybody. I've actually never dressed up as a Simpsons character. But the reason for that is the only person I could have been when I was younger, really, that made sense was Homer. And I just, you know, I I got out of trick-or-treating a little too young, so I just never, and like I said, a lot of my costumes were budget. But one thing I've done for a very long time is I love to carve Simpsons pumpkins. And I've Mm. done... Uh, there's a photo, maybe I can find it on my phone, but it's, it's probably from a decade ago where I did like a zombie or maybe it was like a skeleton Bart in a pumpkin. And I used to do stuff like that a lot. A couple years ago, I did a de- like a devil Homer, an evil Homer, if you will, pumpkin. So that's something I always did, even though I don't have any cool uh, costume stories. But a lot of the people that listen to this podcast uh, had a lot of great costume stories. So we're gonna, I'm excited to read those at the end of the episode. Uh, but we're going to talk about some Treehouse of Horror. Uh, so we might as well get into that. And I also, before we do, I want to give a shout out to the Straight Chilling Podcast. Uh, last year, I was on an episode and we talked about Treehouse 1 through 4. And they asked me to come back again this year. So you're getting this episode at the beginning of October. I'm going to be on their podcast towards the end of October. I think on like the 25th, hmm. something like that. Uh, we're going to be talking about 5 through 7. Uh, so go listen to that episode from last October, check it out and listen to the one this year as well. Uh, shout out to the whole crew, uh, over there. Is it so. safe to assume that this could be an annual thing? I, I you guys think have like what? 32? Uh, yeah. 32 I mean, when, when we did the first one, they were like, Oh, maybe we'll make this a normal thing. And, uh, when they hit me with the invite this year, I assume that is just going to be the theme, uh, until I'm old. So however long <laughs> it takes us to get through them all, uh, we're going to do it. That's so. a good look. So I, I guess speaking about, you know, the Treehouse of, of horror episodes and, and, you know, working your way through them, um, for this episode, we wanted to do something a little different. You know, I, I think we were both trying to figure out what, um, episodes to cover in particular, and we were kind of like, you know, throwing some th- ones out, blah, 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 and um, I had proposed three categories we could go about. I had asked you to tell me what your favorite Treehouse of Horror was, what the most underrated Treehouse of Horror, in your opinion, was, and then I know that you've been on this recent kick of of promoting and and putting a spotlight on the modern episodes, some of the newer ones. Oh, yeah. Um, and So I, I had also asked you to add a, a modern episode in that mix. Um, how, how about you introduce the the episodes and what you chose for each category? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I do want to say like that is uh, one thing I always make a point to do is put a spotlight on modern uh, Simpsons episodes. And I know you know a lot of you that listen to this podcast uh, either agree with me or at least put up with me when I rant about that. Uh, but I think in terms of Treehouse of Horror, most of you would, even if you haven't seen some of the more recent ones, I think you would like them. And I think when I get to uh, that one in the lineup, 
uh, you're going to be like, oh, you know, I've never seen that one, or you're going to fully agree. Uh, and so I'm excited to see what you think. And I say, rather than me list them off, I say we just uh, make it sort of a secret. We just make people wait a little bit. We'll go through them one at a time. What Yo, do you think? I like it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so for the very first one that we're going to talk about here, uh, which is the favorite of mine, uh, and I guess consequently Botters as well, because he had to also watch it and make notes about it, and that is going to be Treehouse of Horror, drum roll, seven tree house seven uh season eight episode one uh for those that might not realize it there was no tree house in season one i'm sure all of you know that so if you look at the season whatever tree house it is will be minus one from that so we have tree house of horror seven how did this one strike you overall botter on on this watch i know you've you've clearly seen it before but how did it strike you great amount of nostalgia especially like remembering certain parts but it also exemplifies what's been so fun um, uh, re-watching a lot of these Simpsons episodes in my adulthood is catching the the jokes, the, the themes, and some of the other uh, nuances to uh, to the show that I wouldn't have caught. Of course, I would not have caught as a kid. <laughs> oh, no. I totally agree with you. And I got to say up top, because I'm sure some people are like, oh, I can't believe Seven is his favorite. It was a very tight race between this and Treehouse 4. Uh, and I really had to think long and hard about that. And if you go back and listen to the straight chilling episode that I talked about, uh, I really love Treehouse four. Uh, and I, I think that I will get into why I think you'll understand why I ended up saying seven by the time we're done discussing it, but it was not an easy decision. I want to be clear about that. This one to me had, um, maybe some of the most memorable Treehouse of horror episodes that, that come to mind for me when I think of that, the, that series, like this one pretty much had like all the ones that would immediately come to mind. Absolutely. And so uh, we'll, we'll go we'll go through this segment by segment, sort of talk about what we like about each segment. Uh, and the first one we have, so the first segment of the three is The Thing and I. And the synopsis is as follows. Bart and Lisa hear strange noises coming from the attic. They investigate and discover that there is a monster. Homer and Marge realize that the creature has escaped, prompting Marge to call Dr. Hibbert. He explains that Bart has an evil twin named Hugo. Uh, now, I would think that one of the reasons people know Treehouse in a lot of uh, in a lot of cases is because they are parodies, and a lot of people will go, "Oh, you know, Treehouse—that's where they parody popular horror. That's where they parody all these other shows." The thing that I like so much about Treehouse Seven, and the reason it is my favorite, is that this is the first Treehouse to not have parodies. Hmm. Uh, there is one parody, but two of them are original stories not based on anything directly, uh, which is, is, is different for Treehouse. And it's also the first Treehouse to be a season premiere, uh, which wouldn't be the standard, but it would become like more common as the show went on for it to fall either first or in the first like few episodes. Um, and I think that makes it cool because it's scary uh, without being directly, you know, based on mm-hmm. something else. And it is sort of, you know, compared to a lot of Treehouses, which are kind of just goofy, this one actually is sort of a bizarre story. There's like some scary, uh, there's some, some scary shots where you're like, man, this, you know, if this weren't the Simpsons, I'd be a little freaked out. I think this one feels the most, uh, similar to, uh, I mean, you've, you've explained that their inspiration for Treehouse of Horror comes directly from like the EC comics of old. Um, and I definitely got that vibe of this one, of some of the original storytelling, yeah. uh, that, that horror anthology aspect of it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, so, 
most tree houses, especially early had, you know, wraparounds or they would like, they would set up the stories. Like, mm. it's like, Oh, the kids went trick or treating. Now they're all going to have bad nightmares. Oh, Homer's listening to them tell stories in the treehouse. you know, from the classic Treehouse one. Uh, this one didn't have any of that. These stories all stand on their own. You get a quick intro of Homer trying to light a jack-o'-lantern lighting himself on fire. And then they just start. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I think there is so many, uh, just really funny jokes in this one. And watching it back, one of the first things I noticed is when they are looking in the attic, this is like, I, I always forget that they find Homer's autobiography, Homer, I Hardly <laughs> I Knew Me. me. <laughs> and I that, I love that joke. I know people have made notebooks out of that. People have done that for other things. Uh, I always forget it's from this episode. Gets me every time. I wanted to uh, take a quick step back because uh, in my notes, uh, I wanted to highlight that I don't know if they do this every season, but but I definitely paid attention uh, in this one. But the uh, the opening credits and, and they're kind of a uh, play on some of the names and some of the nicknames they had. Like uh, uh, I think it was like Rad Groaning, George <laughs> Exit Wound Meyer. I thought was great. Diablo <laughs> Silverman, and, and then all like the other quirky quirky names and credits. I noticed in um I think it was the one that I messed up on uh, um, Treehouse of Horror Twelve. They did not have those names. So they actually so they did the names. For every treehouse except for 12. Oh, wow. Uh, because I think maybe 12, no, just 12. I'm pretty sure it's only one year they took off. And the reason for that is apparently uh, some of the people on staff were like, you know, it's too hard to think of these every season. Do we have to keep doing this? And after one year off, fans were like, why did you stop the scary names? Huh. We want the scary names back. Uh, and I know from talking to Yardley, in fact, I think we talked about it in the last episode she was on. Uh, she was saying that, you know, she keeps a running list at this point because if she doesn't, she will forget if she's used it or not. Wow. Uh, so they, they you know, around the same time every year, they go, all right, everybody, we need your Halloween names. And so they have to come up with a new one Interesting. Uh, every year. That's cool. Uh, the shower. So we're talking about jokes in this one that I think are really great. And I, I think this has maybe one of my favorite jokes in the whole series, which is the shot of them where you see three vases. Hmm. And you are, you know, obviously you're supposed to think they're in the vases. They're talking about how they can't breathe. And then they bust out of the closet. That is so funny every time. And every single time I know they're about to bust out of the closet, I still just get the same reaction out of the joke. <laughs> I love when Lisa's like, so I have two brothers? <laughs> like, Lisa, please. Lisa, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it's it's cool to see Dr. Hibbert be so tied to the family. Like, he, you know, he has this like... Oh, I knew this day. Yeah, would, yeah. This day would happen eventually. You know, they call him right away. He shows up almost instantly. But, you know, he's telling the story about how they got separated and all this stuff. But what to do with poor Hugo? Too crazy for Boys Town. Too much of a boy for Crazy Town. The child was an outcast. So we did the only humane thing. We chained Hugo up in the attic like an animal and fed him a bucket of fish heads once a week. It saved our marriage. You expect me to believe all this? If any of it was true, wouldn't I have a big hideous scar? We've got to find Hugo. <laughs> Dr. Hibbert, he, he, he be waxing some poetics. He's got very dope, like, flowery language. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. Oh, shit. Uh, speaking of which... Um, when he says, uh, when he drops the phrase, um, Siamese twins and, and Lisa's like, I think they prefer to be called conjoined twins. And what is that? And hillbillies prefer to be called the sons of the soil, but it ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Bar right there. That's the thing. You know, I say this segment is so 
funny and it is, but it also, I, I think it is such a good mix. The fact that it's an original story, something they had not done, uh, you know, it's not a parody of anything. The fact that it's an original story that is very funny, a little disturbing, and also, you know, very cool. Like, it's like a, like, if you took that same premise and made a movie or a show or a longer episode, it would just be good. And who doesn't love the design of Hugo? I mean, he's got the messy hair. Uh, you know, he makes a pigeon rat, which is one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> but if you really just break it down, yeah. like, he wants to be reconnected to his long lost twin brother, which is a really dark premise. Like, hmm. it is genuinely a little, little un- unnerving, I will say. You're here, aren't you? Yes, Bart. I never left you. What do you want from me? You'll see. After the surgery. Ah! You're crazy! Am I? Well, perhaps we're all a little crazy. I know I am. I went mad after they tore us apart. But I'll be sane once I sew us back together. But you'll kill both of us! No, it's easy. Look, I've been practicing. I made a pigeon rat. Well, let's get started. You want to be on the right or the left? Hugo, stop! Is this one of the first, uh, well, maybe not first, but is this one of the rare, is it a rare instance where they are playing with uh, the Simpsons continuity? You know? So I would say the Treehouse episodes, like, you basically just have to accept that they will never be canon. But I think it's hard for anyone after watching this episode to not be like, you know, is there, is there like, is Hugo in there somewhere? Like, is there like some reality within the show where Hugo exists? I think that'd be so cool. So have they ever made a callback to Hugo at all? No, Hmm. unfortunately not. They leave it in this episode. And it's probably because when Dr. Hibbert holds that picture frame, he knocks the absolute (laughs) shit out of Hugo. (laughs) Knocks him, knocks him right out of continuity. It kills yeah. me every time. Yeah, it's like, it you've probably never even seen yourself in the mirror. He just don't play, So man. good. So good. And as I take a sip of my soda, uh, I definitely think that it's it's one of the ones people think of when they think Treehouse. I know I do. Any, anything else you want to add about it? I think the only thing, other thing I'll add, and I think I've admitted this on um, uh, some of these episodes, some of the previous episodes that I've been on, where Simpsons, um, certain episodes to me had a big impact. You know, I was watching them as a young kid, so they introduce certain concepts or some of the concepts they introduced were my first introduction. And I think it's safe to say this freaked the living hell out of me when it yeah. came to conjoined twins. Like I, and just when Hugo is, is planning to sew them back together, there's something about that imagery and where my mind went to as a kid that even watching it, uh, you know, watching it over the weekend, I still had that weird, I mean, to your point, it is, it is a dark premise. It's a very you know? dark premise. Like this, like that that rat pigeon. Um, you know, when that scene comes up, it's it's even funnier now. But I remember as a kid, like, holy shit, that is. So, I had never thought about that. The, concept. the thought of him just sitting in the attic, like so, sewing yeah. stuff together. But also, you know, shout out to Nancy for doing such a good job of doing a similar Bart voice yeah. that is not Bart's voice. Uh, and of course, you know, we all know it ends with Bart. You find out Bart is the evil twin. He says, don't be so surprised. <laughs> and then they put him in the attic and force him to eat fish heads. I mean, that's just a perfect. With Mars say, finish your fish heads. <laughs> finish your fish heads and we'll talk. <laughs> so good. Okay. Well, let's move on to segment number 
too. And Bonner, how about you read that uh, synopsis for this one, The Genesis Tub? All right, yeah, here we go. Uh, in preparation for the school science fair, Lisa performs an experiment in a Petri dish to see if Cola will dissolve her baby tooth. Bart gives Lisa a static electric charge, claiming it as part of his project to prove that nerds conduct electricity. <laughs> the electric charge is then passed onto the tooth when Lisa reaches to touch it, causing it to undergo an unusual reaction, which creates a race of miniature beings. Man, now I, I got to say, uh, for some reason, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not, but for some reason, this is one of my favorite treehouse segments ever. I'm right there with you. I this I'm this right is there with you. obviously this is the only one in the episode that is a parody. It's a it's a parody of the Twilight Zone episode The Little People. Huh. Uh but man, what and also some I'll people might remember it as a reference the, South Park references this episode directly in the famous Simpsons Did It episode. Uh, this is one of the ones that they sort of call back to hmm. uh, in that episode. How similar is this to the uh, to that Twilight Zone episode? To be completely honest, I do not. I've seen so much Twilight Zone Me in my too. life, but I do I not recall that episode at all. Hmm. But there's something, you know. Obviously, all of the ones that we're going to talk about have a, a special quality to me. But I think Yardley's performance is super funny. Um, and I just think because so much of it is focused around Bart and Lisa, mostly Lisa, uh, and it being such a weird premise, again, we're talking about these weird premises, it, it really gives her a, a chance to sort of have fun with the dialogue. And I think a lot of her delivery feels outside of Lisa a little bit because it's such a strange thing. Uh, and I, I gotta say that the square pancakes is easily one of the funniest things ever to me and a reference that I make often that I don't even think about being from Treehouse of Horror. Lisa, breakfast! We're having waffles! Ooh, waffles! Hey, these aren't waffles. These are just square pancakes. I'm sorry, honey. The waffle iron's in the shop. Waffle iron's been in the shop forever. <laughs> it's just all of that is great, and that is something I think goes well beyond Treehouse. Uh, some of these, especially in Treehouses that I think are great, the references make their way into your brain, and you don't even associate them with Halloween anymore. Hmm. And I think that's a good example of that. This was uh, also another one of those episodes that had a profound impact on me as a kid, because after seeing this episode, I was so intrigued by Coca-Cola. <laughs> My mom will drink a Coke. I mean, to this day, we'll drink a Coke every night for uh, after dinner. And it, I would fuck with her Coke so much after this episode because I was just <laughs> so curious, like, holy shit, what can it do? Like, what else does it do? Yeah. And also, you know, Lisa approaching it like, oh, well, you know, science has already ruined <laughs> all these other things, uh, <laughs> but I can still ruin soda for everyone. Uh, much to, you know, I have to say, though, you'll never ruin soda for me. I know soda's bad, but every now and again, you just got to have one, baby. As I reach over to take a sip of root beer right now on the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the reprieve is it's zero sugar, so you got that going on for you. Potter, they don't have to know that, bro. Come on. No, you're let right, me, you're let, right. It's big. I, I want to lobby for big soda. Right <laughs> well, let me go ahead and, and mention that we both, um, uh, on our notes, wrote down the, uh, almost like word for word, the sequence where the tiny ships attack Bart while he's in right, bed. Right, right. Um, I did not know those were, uh, um, uh, that was a computer animation. Yeah. Um, it's one of the first times they ever used computers to wow. do anything. And they ended up, they ended up, the animators sort of traced on top of it, which is why it doesn't look out of place. But I guess because it was such a complicated and weird shot, especially in the 90s, uh, you know, I, I, that's when they started playing with the idea of using that to sort of set up uh, you know, certain types of shots. And now it's, you know, obviously it's a totally different process, but it's the first time they ever did that. I thought that was cool. I love when they're flying, um, 
I love the angle, the point of view they got it at. Like, it really feels like, you know, you're looking at fighter jets kind of weaving in and out of like mountains or hills or, or some sort of landscape. It, and, the, and the sound effect too. Oh, yeah. It's really crisp. I like, I like the use of, of the, uh, them floating, shooting off, and the lasers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would love to know, like, you know, if, if other shows... Like, I would love to know how early The Simpsons were trying stuff like that, or mm. if that was, like, a common thing, or if they were just, like, you know, trying to stay ahead and trying new stuff uh, in terms of that. So I, th- I think that is cool, knowing that they, you know, were using alternative ways of finding out the right way to do such a bizarre shot. And I got to say, too, uh, I think it's, the same could be said for all three of these, but there are so many cool shots. You know, I think of, you know, once, to jump ahead a little bit, once she is in the dish, and you see the shot of Bart reaching down, and she's like, Bart, mm. no! What a cool shot, you know, just this very large Bart kind of looming down over the dish. Uh, And one thing that I think about, and I think maybe this is why this one ranks so high for me, is, you know, the the thought, and maybe this is the point of the little people, I'm not sure. I need to go watch it, especially since I love this one so much. I think the idea that we could all just be in a dish, within a dish, within a dish, uh, you know, that our whole existence could just be a small dish in someone's world it's a is wild, a very disturbing rabbit hole yeah, to go down. <laughs> it is wildly existential, like nothing yeah. but dread. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, I think that's what makes this one fun. I mean, the jokes are great, but also it is a very strange thing. Like, the fact that the way these things are lined up, and I again, I don't know if in The Little People, I really should have brought that info to this episode, but I don't know if it has anything to do with an experiment that creates people or whatever, but I love that it is such an innocent thing that the right chain of events grows life rapidly inside this little dish. What a cool, like you could explain that to someone. They're not going to think you're talking about the Simpsons. Very good point. Very good point. Um, and, and if you wanted to go deeper down this uh, existential rabbit hole, when, <laughs> when Lisa, when they shrink her and bring her into their world, uh, they view her as their God and immediately the questions start flying. I think one of them even asked, um, if you, uh, something to the effect of like, if you love us so much, why do you let bad things happen to us? Right. Funny in the moment, considering they're talking to a little girl that, you know, this is a science experiment. But the more, and I think it comes back to your point where these episodes, if you're taking them for face value as sim- just pure, you know, comedic Simpsons episodes, each one of them has some great writing, great jokes. But the, if you wanted to really dig deep into it, it starts feeling uncomfortable in the sense of like you start questioning uh, your reality and your place and things. But you know that's me. That's us getting very deep into well, it. Well, and not, not only that, but I also get wrapped up in the fact that Lisa, you know, if this were in some way canon, which obviously we know it's not, Lisa is stuck there now. She has no way to get out of there. That would require some sort of rebigulator, a concept that's so <laughs> ridiculous that I can't even. Kind of, uh, you know, so that is just yeah. everything about it. I think the fact that it feels so weird um, has just always made it stand out to me. And again, just to, just to call back to it, the fucking square pancakes, the waffle irons in the shop. One of my favorite jokes on The Simpsons. I think I'm just going to declare that right now. This episode also um, just kind of solidified just how corny Martin is. <laughs> like, uh, now, granted, I, he's not my least favorite character, but Martin to me is one of the is the biggest cornball on this show. Oh, easy. And the fact. <laughs> Hey, what did you say uh, when uh, Principal Skinner congratulates Bart on uh, the Petri dish? Grant, he stole it from Lisa, but he's like, uh, this beat out uh, Martin's uh, milk bo- milk carton ukulele. <laughs> and they flash and, and they shoot over to Martin in a fucking little uh, uh, skirt with playing the ukulele. <laughs> he's such a cornball, no, but he's an, he's an adorable cornball. Yeah, bless, bless his heart. 
Um, so now we're going to go into the third segment, which is Citizen Kang. While out fishing, Homer is abducted by the two aliens, Kang and Kodos. They demand that Homer take them to Earth's leader. I love that it just says to Earth's leader. But Homer informs them of the upcoming presidential election and says that the winner could either be Bill Clinton or Bob Dole. Kang and Kodos kidnap both Dole and Clinton and place them in suspended animation, or some sort of tube, if you will, assuming their forms through bioduplication to ensure that one of them will become the next leader. Uh, now, this is an interesting episode because, uh, and I wrote this down because I thought it was cool. According to David X. Cohen, uh, who wrote, who worked on this episode, who also created Futurama, hmm. uh, this segment broke a lot of the rules of The Simpsons because it locked the episode into one time and named specific years and candidates. Hmm. And if you think about it, that is that is interesting. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that dates certain episodes of The Simpsons, but this one, you know, if it were a real episode, would seem very strange because it locks you directly into one timeline. Yeah, th- this whole episode, um, it, it portrays Homer in, in such... An extreme, in my opinion, extreme caricature of the "quote unquote" you know kind of dumb American man at that. Right. Uh, you know he, he's he's lying about fishing. Later on in the episode, he says, "You know, you should have seen the fish." I, oh, he's, he's lying <laughs> about the size of the fish he caught. Right. Right. Um, right. I caught the biggest fish you've ever seen. There you go. And uh, he doesn't. You also realize he doesn't understand. You know how his nation's own politics works. He's very brash and and, and stupid, but but stupidly fearless. Yeah, at times, like when when he ends up pulling down his trousers, you know, and he thinks that they're going to probe. <laughs> well, I guess you'll want to probe me. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on, it's it's just oh, so man. good. This is also where Classic. we learn that King and Kodos are sisters. Oh my God, space aliens! Don't eat me! I have a wife and kids. Eat them! Silence! We are travelers from a certain nearby ringed planet whose name we'd prefer not to mention. My name is Kang, and this is my sister, Kodos. Hello. I suppose you want to probe me. Well, might as well get it over with. Stop. We have reached the limits of what rectal probing can teach us. This is a mission of conquest. Take us to your leader. I got to go ahead and, and admit, you know, when I think about, you know, some of my least favorite characters, Kang and Kodos just don't really do it for me, man. Oh, man. I, I don't know. Like, this this segment was just really, I, I think, uncomfortable at times. <laughs> First, Kang and Kodos are always seen, you know, uh, they're slimy. They're always drooling. Um, they're also, like, they're so vastly different from the rest of the uh, Simpsons universe, right? Like, That's you're true. dealing with... Uh, extreme sci-fi, right? Like aliens, you know? Like you don't really see... I guess you don't see that on a normal basis in some sense, and I think that already, for me, that juxtaposition is kind of like difficult for me to wrap my mind around. Sure. Um, but then also like them uh, uh, seeing Bill Clinton and Bob Dole. Like this whole episode is really <laughs> uncomfortable, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and it is interesting, too, that they did it because, uh, you know, like I said about what David Cohen was saying about how it locks it into a specific time. Uh, the 96 presidential election occurred just a few days after hmm. this episode aired. So this was very much of the time. Uh, I mean, as far as King and Kodos, man, I, I personally love them, but I think that's also because you know, they're in the first treehouse. That's mm. why that they, mm. that's why they exist within the show was, they were originally created for one story. 
Uh, you know, and so the fact that they sort of became the face of Treehouse, I think is a cool thing. And I like that they never made their designs better. They kept them the same as that original design. And to me, that that's something cool about that. I think as characters, they may not be your favorite, but the fact that they, you know, represent these Halloween episodes to me is a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I think you can see that. I, I do like from a, uh, audio perspective, their um their their sound effect I, I guess you would say or, or their little intro music oh yeah I I, yeah. I, I just like I the frequency that is played at um I just imagine someone like turning knobs to it you know like I really like some, when, when you said sound effect I thought you you meant just their constant drooling oh, That's wow. I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that as far as you know we talk about every uh, every one of these segments being really well shot but the shot of Homer ripping off their human heads. And just seeing like the alien yeah, head like yeah. sort of poking out of the tuxedo. That is my favorite shot in the episode, although it doesn't make sense. Hmm. Because if they bioduplicated to perfectly match the way they look, you shouldn't be able to rip their head off. Uh, and I wonder if that is just, it's dumb on purpose because it's funny, or if they didn't really think about that, or if that was just the easiest way uh, to reveal them. But I've always thought that was a little weird. It's like, hey, how's he able to do that? I Even though it point. looks really, really cool. Good catch. Yeah, see? You got to keep a running list of these uh, uh, um, uh, Bar of Darkness uh, um, inconsistencies. <laughs> these inconsistencies you found. Add that to the inconsistency Bar of Darkness list. Um, and I mean, also, so many things, like I said, come from Treehouse episodes that are mentioned in everyday life. And one of them, or everyday Simpsons references, I should say, but... This one has one of those, this segment specifically, which is don't blame me. I voted for Kodos, which you hear people, people have been making that joke whenever someone is elected that they don't like pretty much since this episode. So that's definitely, I would call that an iconic line within the show. I've, I've even seen bumper stickers as recently as three or four years hmm. ago that say something to that effect. You know, even though this, uh, you said this episode broke the rules and, and locked um, the, the Simpsons in a specific time frame. I think, uh, I, this episode to me is timeless, though, in the sense of, I mean, hell, if we were, you know, if we were to look at the last election, we had, we heard a lot of the similar, um, uh, I think, commentary that The Simpsons didn't quite openly say, but were hinting at, which is like, sometimes, you know, you're just kind of caught between a rock and a hard place when right. it comes to picking, you know, who the hell is going to run the country. Right. Um, so in, in that regard, it's kind of interesting that even though it locked them into a certain place, this episode, you probably, is probably applicable in a lot more uh, elections that we've experienced. I mean, most recently, but also, you know, if it came out in 96, the rest of the elections after that. Right. And I think it's just one of those things where, you know, if you're our age, it doesn't even seem that weird because we know how long The Simpsons has been on. I think it's more so one of those things where, you know, let's say someone's watching The Simpsons 20 years from now and they watch that episode. Obviously, they're going to know who Bill Clinton mm. is but it's going to make that feel so dated in a way that just like a normal episode wouldn't. Uh, but, I I, but I do think it's interesting, you know, that, that David pointed that out because they had to know when they were making it that, that they had to either commit or not do it. So I think that's a funny thing to even note about the episode. But did, I they, love get, did they get any, uh, I guess, pushback or, or negative reception? Not that I know of. I mean, I think, um, I also think it's funny in the sense that the only person it's really mean to as far as like political alignment is like Ross Perot. <laughs> so like it very much is just like, I, I think it's neutral. Yeah. It makes such a <laughs> funny and you know, 
it, it we didn't even mention this, but the joke of you know they decide to work together to make it a better country, and then Homer kills them by <laughs> shooting them out into space. I mean, that's just you know it's it's great. And what a, yeah. and if you think about it, that's also a very disturbing shot. Like Homer just murdered the president because he. But I got to say too, and I meant to write this down, I did not. The thing that he pushed is probably what I would have pushed. Mm. It looked like it would. It didn't. It didn't say, "Oh, shoot them into space." It looked like, "Oh, get them out of the." Tube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna That's give Homer. Point. I'm gonna give Homer some credit there. That episode had some hitters, man. Yeah. As far as like, and and I had told you this when it came to the uh, the the Hugo episode. Um, what was it? Uh, the thing and I. Right. How concise these stories are. You know, uh, you said this is one of the few um, uh, Treehouse Horrors where it's not you know a parody of, of stuff. Like once again, I think it just speaks to the talent of the writers, you know, to write a, a concise, you know, a uh, story that has a beginning, middle end plays with like the, the, the canon. And in some cases even like questions it or challenges it. Right. And not only, I mean, those episodes were a total of 22 minutes. So maybe 10 minutes each segment. It's like, damn, man, I just know. straight heat. No, there is no wasted space for a bad joke or, or wasted exposition. And I think that also probably has something to do with why there's no device to set the ju- to set up the scenes because they needed all that time uh, because there was so much good stuff in there. So good I point. think that has to, to have something to do with it. Yo, everybody. And first of all, thank you so much for listening to this Halloween special. But what is a special without a bonus guest? I talked to Bill Oakley for just a few minutes about this episode so that he could expand on it, and I decided to drop that Zoom audio right here. Enjoy. Like that whole, like the Genesis tub was real straightforward. The, uh, at Hugo was based on basket, that movie Basket Case. Oh, so Um, see, that, that also sucks because, uh, I was, I was under the impression because there, no one like really credits that one. As an, as being a parody, so I was like, "Oh, it's cool. It's like not a parody, which is like rare for a treehouse." No, have you seen Basket Case, or you know what it's about? Maybe, maybe I haven't. I, I guess I haven't. The guy walks around with his. The guy, it's it's it. Well, it, it changed quite a bit from Basket Case, but it is like that was the inspiration. Where it's a guy. It's a it's a kind of a really sleazy kind of grindhouse horror movie from the seventies about a guy who has kind of his mute his mutant twin that he carries around in a basket, and the mutant <laughs> twin murders people and stuff. And so, yeah, that's, that was entirely with it. Well, at least that's one interesting story for you. Um, but it's, it's a good trip down memory lane, that movie. Uh, so that was basically, yeah, we decided to do a parody of Basket Case. And it's the movie, the plot is not really similar, but it, it you know, it's basically that Bart has a mutant hideous twin. It's the same thing. <laughs> so, and then for the, the, the one of that, the one that really sticks out to me though, that is the one, both of those are good, but like the one with the Clinton and Dole one was one that we were we did have to debate that for a long time because we were like, this is really, we tried to do stuff that was not timely because we want the show to play well. The funny thing is that, you know, the Simpsons, like it was one of Sam's rules. I think that like, we don't have, we don't want to have too many time jokes that are anchor us to any period in time. Um, although that was broken a lot uh, after, oh, yeah. after, 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 after <laughs> we left, but we tried to do things that would, you know, that people would still understand 20 years later, 30 years later, hundred years later. So we didn't, there was, I recall that there was some hesitance to do this, uh, probably on my part, but it was a, it was so funny. It was Cohen wrote this one, right? David Cohen. Yeah. yeah. He's a master at this kind of thing. It was so funny. And the way that it worked out so quickly, we were just like, this has got to be, we have to do it. Also because it aired, like it aired like uh, a few weeks before the election, yeah. like of 1996. And so it was just such a natural 
story that we were like, okay, well, you know what? We'll throw that we'll throw that rule to the wind for this one time. And the funny thing is that's the one that is still quote. That's the most popular one of all, of all of those segments. It's still the most quoted. It's even now what 25 years later, is this 25 yeah. years later, 25 years later, that is by far the most quoted Halloween segment. I think of all of anyone that I was involved in. And that's so like, it goes to show you that like, it's, it, it didn't matter that we, that we violated that rule because the, the, the I guess I'd say that the, the points we covered, the points David covered in the story, and, and we were pretty timeless. <laughs> and yeah. In fact, it actually recalls a far more civilized era in our politics than we have now. <laughs> like, that's like, like Dole and Clinton are getting along together and stuff. And it's like, it's a throwback to the days when politics was far more civilized 25 years ago uh, in America than they are now. No, it, it's nuts. And I also, you know, I wonder if there was any debate about whether or not it was weird uh, for Homer to just be able to rip their heads off, even though they were supposed to be bioduplicated. I've always thought that's very strange in the episode. <laughs> yeah, it was just a total fudge because it's like their heads are, even I, even every time I see it, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, yeah, it is. It's a total fudge. It was always a total fudge. And we just, <laughs> we knew it, but we did not. We just said it. it's just the fastest, click, quickest, cleanest way to do this. And people will go with it. And most people did go with it, but yes, you're right. It does. It sticks in my craw every time because it's like, wait a minute. I thought these were bioduplicates, but it turns out they're masks. But yeah, whatever. The bioduplicates. Maybe the bioduplication is really just a. It's just kind of a skin, and, mm. and, and and you know that's what you have to assume is that it was just kind of a. Uh, they duplicated the skin and kind of reshaped their bodies <laughs> in a temporary <laughs> fashion. But it goes no. by so quick, you know, you don't worry. Yeah. About it. And, and I think it's also the coolest looking shot in the whole thing. Uh, just seeing him rip it off and seeing their heads stick out of the suit. I mean, I think it's one of the best looking shots in the whole episode. Oh, yeah. It's so good. I love it. And I love that thing where there's a couple of other things. In that segment, there are so many things that I love. Here are a couple. One of that, the, the Capitol, when Homer crashes the Capitol and you hear him run down the stairs, <laughs> he just, he runs down a couple different flights of stairs really fast. <laughs> it's so, it's so corny and funny. And then also I love the, um, man, do I love the thing where Homer pushes the, I know everybody loves this, but I love it more than everyone else. Where Homer pushes the button, the button on the control panel has that thing, has the arrow. He pushes the button and it just sucks them out. And then there's that long period of complete silence where they're just slowly spinning. Their naked dead bodies are slowly spinning away in space. It's so, um, that makes me laugh so hard every time. It's so good, but I got to take up for Homer a little bit because I think if I was, if I was scanning that panel, I would press the same button. I would think that that would let them out. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think what else the, the, Slick Willie always with the smooth talk. I'm pretty sure I pitched that line. It was based on my mother. Who, <laughs> uh, and uh, what else? Also, there's a mistake, which people have still pointed out. The mistake that never got totally corrected. At the end, when the guy, the guy who says, I believe I'll vote for a third party is clearly Principal Skinner. Yep. And we were like, when we saw the color screening, we're like, that's Principal Skinner. He doesn't, he's not in Washington. It doesn't make any sense. So they recolored him with gray hair and we got Hank to do the voice instead of Harry, but it's still to the careful viewer, Principal Skinner. It definitely looks like Skinner. Uh, yeah. One thing I will ask you is, do you remember who pitched the joke about the square pancakes? Because I've I've said that I think that's one of my favorite Simpsons jokes, period. Uh, the waffle iron is in the shop. I think that's just so damn funny. Do you have any recollection of whose joke that was? God, I do not. I do not. If I had to put money on it, I would say it was either David Cohen or Steve Tompkins. But it could be Dan Graney, too. I Honestly, I, I don't know for sure. 
Well, it's a perfect joke either way. Uh, you know, the waffle iron's been in the shop forever. It gets me every every single time. Um, yeah. yeah, Bill. Well, obviously, you know, I appreciate you just giving me a little bit of background. I'm definitely going to slide this into the episode, but I do want to ask you before I let you go, as a food guy, what is the best Halloween candy, Bill? Miniature Milky Ways. Ooh, a dark horse. I like that answer. <laughs> Thank you. Where do you stand on Almond Joy? I love Almond Joy. There and you go. I love both of them. I like Bounty a little more, though. If you can get Bounty occasionally, you know, the, the it's like the European version of those. Have mm. you seen it? No, I haven't. No, okay. They sold them in America for a while, but um, it's a slightly more it's a slightly more luscious version of like uh, of Mounds and Home of Joy. Yeah, see, Bill is on the correct team. Uh, thanks, Bill. I really appreciate it. Now I'm going to kick it back to the normal episode. So, like I said, uh, later on we're going to read uh, some some listeners submitted underrated episodes, um, and that is going to be our next category as well, which is what I consider the most underrated treehouse. Now, again, I could have easily put several of them in this slot. I had a hard time deciding. So, you know, the, the most effective way was to just look through, think about ones that I don't hear talked about enough and, uh, and just go with that. And I had to watch through a few to really narrow it down. And I landed on Treehouse of Horror. Drum roll, Botter. 13. 13. Mm. Season 14, episode one. Now, I've gone on record as saying that I actually think season 14 is one of the weaker episodes, or weaker seasons, rather, uh, right before season 15, which I think is one of the strongest and one of the most underrated seasons. But this treehouse is really, really good. How did it strike you, Botter? You know, I, I thought at first you picked this one on purpose because of, you know, 13 and, and, and whatever. I thought you were trying to stick to thematically. <laughs> uh, but this is also the one where... Yeah, I, that's what it was. <laughs> but I also fucked up on this one because, um, I don't know, maybe I just read it wrong or I pulled it up wrong, but I ended up watching Treehouse Horror 12. <laughs> so then I also watched Treehouse uh, Horror 13. And, and I, um, this was an episode that... After the first segment, I was like, damn, did I miss this episode? But by the end, I was like, oh, I've, I've definitely seen it, which kind of maybe more so speaks to what you said about it being underrated. Um, because by the time I kind of like, you know, connected the dots, I was like, oh, okay, this is this that episode. Um, yeah, I was like, damn, I kind of forgot how good this episode was. It's a really strong one. And I, I, you know, I think season 14 is not really a bridge too far for most people. So I'm sure that a lot of you have seen mm. it. Um, but it's also, you know, some people don't watch beyond a certain one and maybe they don't watch a lot of the tree houses. Maybe some people don't like the tree houses. I mean, there's some psychos out there, so I don't know. Those people probably exist, but most people remember this one mostly for, uh, the third segment, which is the Island of Dr. Hibbert, yes. uh, also made into a place set by McFarlane in the late two thousands, sort of rare now, sort of hard to find. Uh, took me, I actually didn't have one until last year. So I, I finally got, or maybe it was this year. When did I buy that? It's the, it took me a long time to get one. So a lot of people know it from And those me. McFarlane sets are so nice. Oh, man. come on. Botter's got a couple in the studio. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, he's got a couple around here. Yeah. Wait, I think that, that one's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at a Cam Krusty one there right go, yeah. now. That's good stuff. Uh, this is this one is a couple of firsts for uh, the show and Treehouse of Horror. This is the first Treehouse of Horror special to be called Treehouse of Horror instead of the Simpsons Halloween special. That's a mouthful in the opening sequence. Damn, it took them 13. It did. And, <laughs> I, and I think that's a cool thing. Like, I always thought it was cool that they continually called them Treehouse of Horror, uh, even though the screen would say Halloween special. <laughs> but I like that they eventually just decided to go with that. And I mean, 
I would argue that Halloween special makes more sense later instead of early since it starts in a treehouse. But I also, I also think that's cool. So this is the first time they ever did that. Uh, and this is also the first episode to use the digital ink and paint as proof of concept, which led to the decision to have the Simpsons animation converted from traditional cell to digital ink and paint. It was a good episode to test technique on due to the cloning sequences, which required many different layers of animation for each of the clones. So would that explain why, like, to, to me, it looked like some of the clones were a shade or two a different yellow, like a, a more toned down yellow. I, I would say that was like part of the process of them just figuring out how to make them not like blend together. Ah, okay. Or, you know, it, it, and, and to differentiate them. Yeah. And it's funny when you look at it, like when you look at this episode, especially if you watch seven and then go right to 13, like we did, it is a little jarring in how different it looks. Hmm. Uh, the Simpsons, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, but they held out longer than a lot of shows when it comes to, you know, traditional cell animation. Most shows had already moved on to digital uh, ink and paint, but the Simpsons, you know, they they held out till about season 13. And uh, this was, you know, one of the first times they did that, which I think is cool. Segment one, we have Send in the Clones. Bobby, you want to read that synopsis? Oh, yeah. All right. In this spoof of multi... Uh Multiplicity. There he goes. Homer's homemade <laughs> hammock collapses while he is taking a nap. He purchases a new one from a passing vendor who warns him that it carries a curse. Disregarding this, Homer lies down and discovers that the new hammock can produce clones of anyone who rests on it. He inspects the first clone and notices that it does not have a belly button. Yeah, it doesn't have a belly button, but he does say plane is in the hangar, if I'm not mistaken. So he does have a penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. Uh, this is also, uh, this episode was the final treehouse to be credited to three separate writers, hmm. which I think is an interesting thing, uh, which uh, apparently was a money issue. I, I, this question was asked on a panel last year, and they said uh, that it had something to do with having too many credited writers on the same script made it complicated uh, with the Writers Guild or something to that effect, but it ultimately was a money thing. So from this, from 14. From Treehouse 14 on, there would be one credited writer, but we all know that every, even on the ones credited to three, the whole team worked on it. So it's not like, that's not really a huge difference. It's just different in the way that it's explained hmm. uh, and who worked on the episode. So, but yeah, like Botter said, you know, it's a spoof of multiplicity, which I have also never seen. Um, but it's, uh, this is, you know, we're back to parodies, but it's a very interesting one because not Halloween, not Halloween related not really. and not scary, just very weird. Yeah. It felt like I, I was being reintroduced to this episode because like I said, out of this one felt like I hadn't seen it, but, um, I, I ended up enjoying this one probably the most out of the, um, the other segments in this particular episode. And I've got this weird nuance, I think, that this uh, episode confirmed. So like I said, I, I ended up messing up and, and watching Treehouse of Horror 12. And the first segment in that, um, I believe, is... Uh, oh, House of Wax. There you go. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. House of Wax was, is a parody of, of Demon Seed as well as 2001 A Space Odyssey. And if you remember in that episode, uh, they get a brand new house and it's primarily white. Yep, and I I had a note that for some reason, Simpsons against white. I don't <laughs> know what it is, but I visually it is so pleasing to me. Yeah, um, it, it just blends really well. It makes them pop. So 
seeing this this many homers in all the white shirts and the amount of like yellow, I don't know, visually wise, it was really pleasing to me. Yeah, no. From it, a design aspect. I, I definitely agree with that. And I, you know, I, about Botter watching 12, I think this is really funny because uh, I just happened to send Botter my notes last night and I'm glad I did because we would have not been ready to talk about 13 had I not because Botter said, wait a minute, what episode <laughs> are you talking about? That's not the one I, I was watched. thrown <laughs> off. I was like, what, are you, what clone? That's good. And I forgot to mention this, but I love the intro to this one because this is not you know this is only a couple seasons after Maud's death hmm. and I love that Ned is you know they're holding a seance they're trying to reach Maud and you see this huge fiery sort of demon version of Maud uh, introducing the episode and I just think that's really great I think it's you know it's fun to like sort of call back to that uh, an episode a lot of people don't like but it's it's cool to sort of have fun with that hmm. uh, I mean let's be fair I don't love that episode either but. I think it's cool to sort of call back to that, have a little fun with it, show that Maude is still sort of watching over Ned in some funny way, even though it's not canon. Uh, I think that that's it's kind of nice. I've yeah, always liked that. Intro. I think it's it's sweet that um, I mean, as, as far as I know, he, he he never remarries, or at least up to this point, you know, that is still he's willing to go do a seance. <laughs> Ned Flanders, <laughs> right? You know, is that's doing a good a point. Seance to talk to his dead wife, which I, I think you know, it, it to your point, it, it's very sweet, it's very endearing, you know. That is something that Ned would normally like. Ned won't even, you know, Ned won't even gamble. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's scratch a mosquito itch. Yeah, he, he's not. You know, ah, so that's that's a funny that's a, a funny point, Butter. I like that. Uh, also, I want to ask you, Butter, if you could clone yourself. Oh man, what would you do, dude? I, I make this joke all the time that I feel like. I am the Homer in my relationship with life where she is so like smart and sweet. And sometimes I'm just fucking stupid. But watching this episode, it just kind of reaffirmed that because I'm like, yeah, I do all that. Homer's got it figured <laughs> out. Yo, he's got... When, when he's sitting around the um uh, the kitchen table and everyone is praising him for yep. spending time with them and, and Marge is like, Homer, oh, you've... Uh, what she said, uh, lately you've... It's like... There's four of you, or you've no, got no. It's like you, you lately you've had the you've had the energy of twenty three men. You. Thank <laughs> you. I was like, and 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 Homer tells her, uh, you know, he's going to do this with Bart, this with Lisa, he's going to do this, and I was like, damn it, I could, you know, I think me and you are, are both similar in the sense we're we're both people pleasers, you know, yeah. and we oh, tend yeah. to take on more than we really should, you know, sure. we say yes to more things than than that. Oh, so that probably might be my prime uh, primary use of my clones is to get them to do a lot of the things that I say yes to that I forget about. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're in Halloween season. We're talking about stuff that's scary. Uh, in, if, if there's one thing on this earth that could make me wake up in a cold sweat, truly terrified, uh, it's just a list of all the things I agree <laughs> to doing when I don't fucking have time to. And I think Vodder can relate to that 100%. Um, I also, uh, uh real quick, um, <laughs> when his clone is, uh, was this clone helping uh, Marge bring in like some groceries or something like that? And uh, she kind of alludes to like, hey, let's go up the stairs and, and do some adult things. Homie, you've been such a sweetheart today. Let's go upstairs and... <laughs> I'll take it from here, Faco. No, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Why, you little... Oh, oh. Man, are we evenly matched. Me concur. <laughs> it would take three clones to beat the original Homer. I mean four. Oh. 
Stuckers. <laughs> uh, which reminds me, I think That's I think I think joke, what dude. makes that joke in the kitchen so funny is oh, I think man. Marge says twenty men and Homer corrects her and says twenty three. What ah, a dumbass! Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> um, uh, I think the other standout joke for me was um, when the clones get a hold of the. Oh no, my God! There's so many good ones actually. It's we, a really damn, good. There's that, actually a lot. This is why I damn, say this right. one's underrated. Right. This segment alone. Yeah, is right. underrated, and so is the whole episode. But this one is so good. All right, like, I, I got two for this one, and, and I'll keep it moving. But when Homer drives the clones out of the cornfield, and he's <laughs> he's like, so which one of you remembers how to get home? And then they start slowly raising their <laughs> Anyone else? No, it's it's great. Oh, man. my God. And, and, and I also... Oh, man. The thing is, uh, Homer doesn't even realize what the, I, I meant to say this earlier. He doesn't even realize what the hammock does until he's already cloned himself twice. Yeah. I think this is a magic hammock. <laughs> uh, so the fact that Homer takes them all out there, uh, you know, they volunteer to be shot. Uh, just great. Yeah. I'm yeah. with you on that. Was there one more you had? Yeah. Um, um, which I think might lead us to the, to your point, your, your upcoming point. But when the clones figure out how to use the hammock themselves, and they have one end tied to the tree and the other end tied to one of the Homer clones' uh, necks. <laughs> hurts me every time. Hurts me every time. And this one, a standout shot in this, it's not even really a joke, but it's when Bart and Lisa start questioning like, if Homer's okay or if something's wrong with him. It just cuts to Homer just pale, you know, blank face just bashing the car with a bat, <laughs> which just kills me. He's like, oh, what do you mean? And then it cuts over just boom, boom, boom. Uh, really great. I mean, so many funny jokes. Again, not scary, just very strange. And uh, just, just I think that what they realized at one point in the show was that Treehouse didn't always need to be scary. It didn't always need to be Halloween. Hmm. It just needed to be the type of thing you would watch during Halloween. And I think we can all relate to that. Like I watch Beetlejuice around Halloween. That's not a, it's not a scary movie. It's not a Halloween movie. It's just a weird, spooky movie that you might watch. I watched a movie called Possessor. Last night, I don't know if anyone has seen that. A uh, very strange, uh, sort of a horror, sort of an artsy horror film. Uh, maybe, maybe that's not the right term, but it's very well shot. It looks really cool. Not a Halloween movie, just disturbing. Hmm. And I think that's sort of the category that these these Simpsons premises fall under in these tree houses, especially later ones. They just they realize they can do whatever as long as it's weird. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a cool a good, thing. I think yeah, that's a cool thing. Fringe. Yeah, exactly. And also, uh, this might be a bit of a spoiler for later, but when you're when they're sort of panning over uh, the field of Homers, uh, you see a Tracy Ullman style mm. Homer asking for some frosty chocolate milkshakes, and there's some other like some other character from some show that I've never heard of. Yeah, I think uh, I see like show. I think it's called like Family Family Dude or something. I don't know. I, I don't know what that show is. Well, let me ask you this: Is that the first? <laughs> is that the first um, uh, appearance or reference to? Uh, family dude? I believe it is. I think that's the first time because they had done little weird crossovers hmm. with like King of the Hill where you see them sitting in the stands during Bart Starr and stuff like that. But I don't think they had ever even acknowledged Family Guy until you see uh, this shot of Homer amongst the, uh, or the shot of uh, whatever his name is amongst the Homers, uh, which is fine. It's a fine joke. I'm sure people at the time thought it was very funny. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't know how bad family uh, family person was at the time. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a really good one. And of course, you know, the resolve, uh, they run all the homers off the cliff using large donuts carried by plane, uh, which you later find out the, the main homer, the real homer, is the first one over the cliff. And he leaves a clone to just bang his wife forever. So that's uh, also very dark and weird and, and a little scary. <laughs> what does what Marge uh, say in bed? She's like, uh, um... 
Thank you, General. That's a big relief. The horde is almost dead. There's still some writhing and twitching, but that should stop by morning. Good news. Mm. One handsome hubby is all I need. <gasps> no belly button? You're a clone. Then the real Homer. First over Cliff. <gasps> My homie's dead? How will I go on? You like back rub? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, and... and I, I guess in watching um, the uh, uh, what was the first one? Treehouse of Horror seven seven. Thank you. And, uh, watching Treehouse of Horror seven so closely after this one, the the payoff, uh, the swap out where Hugo ends up being, you know, I'm sorry, Bart is the evil twin. Right. Hugo's, you know, the one that they should have had. It was kind of a cool <laughs> callback to that. Uh, well, in my mind, I made that connection. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool that you know they they swapped out the homers in the end. Yeah, you, you could honestly, you know, it's funny you say that. There's a little bit of similarity, like a very very mild amount of similarity between the ones that I picked, and that was not on purpose. Hmm. I wouldn't say that the stories are similar, but they there are slight comparisons that could be made. That's a, that's a good point too, Butter. Um, so let's go ahead. Uh, let's go into segment two. Uh, did you read the last one, Bot, or I'll read this one? Yeah, got it. Uh, the Fright to Creep and Scare Harms. Uh, it's a, a mouthful of a title. Bart and Lisa are at the Springfield Cemetery mourning the loss of their pet goldfish. Lisa inadvertently discovers the grave of William H. Bonney, a man who was killed in his youth by gun violence. According to his epitaph, he dreamed of a world without guns. In his memory, Lisa starts a gun control crusade, which makes Springfield 100% gun-free. Even the police no longer possess guns. The town is now defenseless, causing the corpses of Bonnie, in reality the notorious outlaw Billy the Kid, and his hole-in-the-ground gang, Frank and Jesse James, the Sundance Kid, and Kaiser Wilhelm II, to rise from the dead. What did you think of this one, Butter? Uh, I think I agree with you with your note here that this one was probably the, the weaker of the three. Yeah, a little um, bit. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess maybe it was something about the, the zombies or something, or, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but also, I felt like it was kind of all over the place for, between the zombies, the the commentary on gun violence, and then the the time travel. It felt sure. to me a, a little clunky. Um, but here's the thing: even mid, you know, Simpson episodes or segments. Now, granted, this is a segment that was you know what ten minutes. So it's like. Even my commentary on it is still like, well, it's not even a full episode. Imagine yeah. if they had a full episode to flesh this out. Right, right, um, right. But what I do enjoy is I, I always love the Simpsons setup. So, I mean, setup, very beginning. Bart and Lisa, it makes sense why they're at the cemetery. Right. To go ahead and, and honor their dead goldfish, <laughs> and then Lisa finds it. And then I do like the way it kind of flows. Gr- granted, towards the end, it gets a little clunky, but um, not bad. Not yeah, bad. well, you know, one thing I'll say, you know, we're, we're shouting out uh, Straight Chilling a lot in this episode. Uh, in preparation uh, for me to be back on there. Oh, yeah. And I will say one thing that uh, Shoju pointed out on that the first time I was on is that in a lot of cases, he feels like the middle segment is the weakest. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. And I think the Genesis tub uh, disproves that easily. Yeah, but I would say in some cases, if there is a weaker segment, yeah, put it, in the it is usually the middle. And I think they would do that on purpose anyway, because they want to sandwich it between the For better sure. two. And you know, I, maybe they don't know that till the end sometimes, which one they're going to put Fair there. Uh, but I do agree. I think this is the weakest of the three uh, segments, but I, you know, I still like it. It's also not a parody, uh, which is interesting. The other, the other ones in this episode are, uh, but this one, not a parody. Uh, I think the best joke in this one goes, uh, and I think you will agree with me, it goes to Lou, uh, where he says, 
This always made me feel like a man, you know, but now all I've got are my enormous <laughs> genitals. Uh, a, a line yeah. that I just never expect. Uh, and, you know, just proof of the time this episode came out, Simpsons weren't afraid to make, you know, a bit more sexual. They always made sexual jokes, mm. but they get a little more filthy with it in this era. So yeah. it's good. Uh, Rolf going down the, the gun slide is fantastic because <laughs> not only is it like a bumpy ride for him, but the fucking guns are going off. And I love how just like how hodgepodge that shit looked like. Man, right? I was going to say the same thing. It is so funny that, you know, it's, it's one thing to melt them down and make stuff, but they just like glued them Half-assed. together. <laughs> they just glued oh, together oh, these guns. Dude, how could we forget when they're turning in? Um, Now, granted, I wonder if this uh, it references... Uh, anything to I wonder the, the year this one came out if it referenced anything to um uh, when Los Angeles had their gun trade where oh. you trade in your guns for tickets to uh, L.A. Lakers games. Interesting. I um, forgot that was a thing. And that's what I, I thought of in the scene where um, they're trading in their guns, right? And Chief Wiggum says to Snake, uh, uh, "Not so tough without your gun now, huh?" And fucking Snake slaps the slaps shit the out of him. Fire out of my man, Chief Wiggum. And Chief Wiggum says, well, I guess, yeah, I guess you are still tough. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh, well. Yeah, I when guess Homer so. is turning in all their guns and, and Maggie's turning in her guns and, and uh, Lisa, what, she counts, what, 22 or 23 and, and they're short one and she's like, dad, and Homer's got a, uh, he's pulling out like this little pistol and he's like, not blasty. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the exact number. I meant to write it down. Homer has so many guns, which is just so ridiculous. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I think it's weird because like you said, this is a zombie, uh, this sort of a zombie segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do kind of like the design of the zombie. I think they look a little goofy, but it's also kind of funny. And it's, even though this is the weaker of the three, there's still really good jokes. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you get to, you get to the bar and, you know, he tells Homer to play piano. <laughs> Homer starts playing, you know, Moonlight Sonata yeah. or something. I can't remember. And he says, that's piano. I said, P-N-E. That, I mean, that's a great joke. And, and it, it's full of that. Play some piano. That's piano. I said piano. You play the celly. You sing a song about cattle rustling. And you sing one about uh, robbing banks. Cash in the field so you sneak up slow. Grab him by the tail and go, man, go. Break into the bank and snatch that dough. Please don't hurt our family. Mike, let me do a solo. This could be my big break. I very much doubt that, Homer. These are horrible ghouls from the past. Hey, so are the Grammy judges. <laughs> uh, so it, it's good. It, it's it's. If I had to cut one out of all nine of these, it might be this one. But I, I still I still like it. Did they uh, ever real quick? Did they ever um um I guess uh make any merchandise from this episode or, or use those specifically the, those horsemen uh, or the zombies and anything else? No surprise. Like they never, what is it? What I find so strange about this. And it's funny you bring that up. There is a random Burger King toy made in this era. Hmm. Uh, I think they did a whole line that were just, I mean, there are so many treehouse of horror toys from the Simpsons, but most of those came out before this, but there is one, and I could be wrong. It could be later on, actually. But they make the Homer 
when, when Homer comes from the future and he's trying to warn them and then they end up just shooting him, they made that Homer into a toy. Hmm. The future Homer, which I always found very strange. And in yeah, fact, the cut. first time I ever saw it, I could not place what it was from until the next time I saw this episode. I'm like, oh, that's it right there. So that is a, you know, you, you talk about a deep cut. That is a very deep cut. I'm oh, sure yeah. I'm sure Funko will make it like next year just so no one will know what it is. <laughs> That's what they like to do. They recently made a Homer that is not a treehouse toy, but it is a Homer from a treehouse episode. And I still find that so strange. Huh. Uh, and my theory on that, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast. My theory is that they made that or intended for that to be a treehouse one and thought no one would know what it was, wanted to release something and said, just use that rejected treehouse Homer, uh, but it's the Homer in like the uh, belly dancer outfit. Is everyone, I don't oh, know if everybody knows yeah, what I'm talking about. about, but they, they made that and it just came out as a normal figure. No treehouse stuff on the, uh, on the packaging. Really? And that is from a treehouse episode. Um, a very popular one, I would argue where, where Marge is a witch. Hmm. Homer's dressed like that at the end, but yeah, I think that's a strange thing. Anything else on this one, Botter? Yeah, I think we're good to go. All right, let's move on to segment three. Which clearly the best segment. I'm going to let Botter read that. The Island of Dr. Hibbert. All right. So in this parody of The Island of Dr. Moreau, the Simpsons visit the Island of Lost Souls, where they find Dr. Hibbert running the island's resort. Marge says there were rumors he has gone mad. Yeah, rumors that he has gone mad. And mad has he gone, Botter. Look, if, if he's nuts. If, if anything, if, if <laughs> episode or Trials of Horror 7 taught us anything... Dr. Hibbert is not to be played with. No, he's not. <laughs> so w- whether he's punching you through exactly. a frame or turning you into an animal. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. Basically, he's turning people into animals. That is the whole plot of this episode. I would argue there's not even much story in this in this segment other than getting to see the characters drawn as animals. And it's hilarious. And I love it. And there's something very funny about this segment uh, it obviously, like I said, was made into a toy and it translated very well into a toy. Oh, yeah. This thing was just dying to be a toy. Uh, and I just, I think it's so damn enjoyable. Like, even though the story doesn't really make sense, it's very short. It doesn't even seem like it takes very long to explain, uh, but just a great segment. And one of my favorite treehouse segments, which is why it's underrated. I think if people know one from this episode, like I said up top, they know this one, but they don't think of the other two. So I'm glad we got to highlight it. It's yeah. good. Visually, I mean, uh, like you said, stands out visually big time. I mean, it it makes sense that McFarlane Toys would, and I feel like it's only right that McFarlane Toys made, you know, that that play set. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it just, yeah, visually it just stands out. I, I love Marge as a as a cat, or more like a leopard, I guess. But um, Yeah, a cat, about, panther, something like that. Something yeah. about that, that blue and, and that much, you know, capacity, it, it's like really sleek. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to give the joke of this segment to Marge, uh, where she leaves their little cabin. She's looking for, you know, she's trying to figure out what's going on. House of Pain? This must be where you pay the bill. (laughs) Why am I always so funny when no one's around? (laughs) Oh, I'm around. Uh, but I love when Marge gets a, a zinger. So yeah. that that's that's up there for me. I think the the standout joke for me was when um uh Eagle or Lisa Eagle uh, <laughs> is picking up um what was no uh Maggie was an, an ant eater. So yeah, Eagle Lisa picks up Maggie and, and Homer catches her by the talons, makes her drop Maggie, and uh what Lisa's like, we're just playing a game. And uh Homer was like, What's the name of the game? 
Eat Maggie. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I you know, I, I agree with you about Marge as a panther. I, I think she's a panther, a cat, whatever yeah. you want to call her. Uh, but that's another figure that's been made a few times. Uh, Kid Robot made a version of her. McFarlane obviously made her in the playset. They actually made her as a Funko uh, a year ago, two years ago. So we, we've seen the Marge cat panther person a few times. Um, but but it's just good, and it's a it's fun. You know, it's really easy to sum this one up. It's just fun to see the so many characters. I mean, they really run, you know, the whole cycle of the town uh, drawn as animals. It's really it's good. A, and it's a very cheeky episode, it is. I, I think, too. Um, that that sex uh, scene between Homer and, and Marge Panther, uh, one, I felt like went on longer than, than any <laughs> other normal joke. But... As an adult now, I am catching a lot of like the sexual innuendos. Oh yeah, in uh, in, in Simpsons, but I, also as an adult, I kind of appreciate that they do uh, uh, shine a light on. Even this is going to sound weird as hell, but I shine a light on Homer and Marge's sex life. Like yeah. it's it's like okay, yeah, of course they got three kids, so yeah. obviously that's not a, a foreign thing. Yeah, I, um, I've seen an interview with Julie Kavner. Uh, early in the in the in the times of the Simpsons, and they asked her like, you know, what do you think about Marge? And one of the things she said was, I think she's got a great sex life. Mm. So I, I mean, I, I think cool. they've always done a good job of of making it apparent that Homer and Marge have a very healthy sexual relationship, even when she is a is a fucking <laughs> panther. Now, now I could do I could do without Ned being milked. And I think we can agree with that. Mad weird. It's very funny. Yeah. I, I could do without it, but it is funny, and then I like seeing Homer ride Ned. So I, I guess, uh, which which sounds really bad if you yeah. haven't seen this episode, but uh, that's good stuff. Uh, he says, "You're actually quite gentle when you want to be." So that's I, I love that. Um, but I made a I made a list of my favorite animals that I see in this segment, and I want to know if you agree with me, Botter. Uh, Mo as a frog. Yep. Crusty as a lion. I loved it. Maggie as an aardvark or so perfect. Oh, it, 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 like, so it makes, good. Especially for uh, sucking the pacifier. I need them Love to it. make that Love into it. a figure. If anyone hears this that works on uh, for fucking Kid Robot or Funko or anything, make make the Maggie. I mean, you've made these uh, some of these other ones, so do that. And please make Grandpa as a rooster. I just love that. Make all of these. They should do a whole series where they just make these uh, the characters as animals from this this scene. Homer as a walrus was was really perfect, <laughs> especially considering he wanted to become an animal just so he could chill. Absolutely. You know? um, and and Bart, Bart's reactions to me are, are some of the best, especially when he's in the most... Uh, uh, fucked up situations, right? Yeah. He's a spider, but he makes the best of it, right? Now he yeah. can write, eat my shorts in a web. That's a big-ass spider, though. I do think that's very Gigantic. strange. He did make him a big spider. I also, I love that Homer realizes how cool it would be to be an animal as he's talking about how all they do <laughs> is sleep and eat and lay around and chill naked. So yeah. I do like that. Yeah. Uh, seeing Bart make the best of a, you know, kind of weird situation or a bad situation reminded me when he ends up breaking his arm and he ends up having a blast, you know, yeah. Broken arm. yeah. Oh yeah. He loves it. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I don't want to think about um, a walrus and a panther having sex, but yeah. other than that, uh, really good. But hell of a way to close out the episode where hell he's scratching her back with his teeth. It's like, it's, ah, it's great good. writing, great writing. It's, it's really good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think most people are familiar with at least that segment, but give all three of these a watch. Uh, it's underrated by, in my opinion, for a reason. If you disagree with me, uh, eat my shorts. Damn right. That's, that's what I will say. Uh, so we're going to go on uh, to the last section or the last uh, category, if you will, which is great modern episode. And again, uh, regardless of what you might think, this one was actually kind of hard to decide on. Uh, I think they've been in a really great stride 
uh, of Treehouse. And I also will say, I've said this once or twice before, there are Treehouses that I don't love. I've talked about that a little bit on the podcast, but there are a lot of modern ones that I think are better than some of the ones in the middle. Hmm. And this is an example of that. And this one is Treehouse of Horror. Botter, hit the drum roll. <laughs> 25. <laughs> 25, baby. Season 26, episode four. So not the first episode uh, like the last two. Why did I switch it up? Um, it just depends on like when the episode, when the season starts, ah, what day it, it starts on. Sometimes it just it starts in a weird spot. Okay. Um, and sometimes baseball pushes it and things Got like it. that or whatever. Uh, as we as we all know as Treehouse fans, there are times where it airs in November for some fucking reason hmm. uh, because baseball uh, fucks it all up. Um. What did you think about this one, Botter? Had you seen this one prior no. to this? Um, uh, now I'm kind of curious to find out what what I can maybe identify as my last Treehouse of Horror. I'd have to go through it. But uh, for starters, 25. I mean, wait, the current number is 32? 32. 32. Um, the 32nd one will air this season. So okay. coming up soon, yeah. Gotcha. So 25, which is a big milestone. And, yeah. I, and I liked from the, from the get-go, and you've got it written here, but from the get-go, that intro, like kind of giving you a, a walk through some of their best Treehouse of Horror moments, which I think is a... It's commendable in itself and, and damn impressive is that they can have a, you know, a best of, of just a treehouse of horrors. Oh, stuff. yeah. So it's kind of cool to like get some of those peaks into not only like the guest stars, but some of the other, you know, moments from Treehouse of Horror uh, that showed up. And I, and I told you this um, <laughs> offline, but, you know, the animation is just, is, is really sleek. Oh, like, yeah. I, I thought it was like, it, it it looked really good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan of like the the nostalgia of the older episodes, some of that grit. Yeah, but this animation was sharp, super clean, and it's like it matches to, to me. It matches the level of of uh, um respect. I guess respectability is the only word that comes to mind. But yeah, no, it's that's like, a good word. It's like look, this is the 25th uh, Treehouse of Horror. Our shit's going to look the best because we are the best, right? So I, I like that the tone and the animation w- was like really strong. Yeah, and, and it's cool because you really know vibrant I, colors too. Oh, for sure. And I, and I like all the points you made there. I I love, you know, like I said, the intro uh is cool because it's sort of making a nod to some of your favorite segments, but it's also like this cheesy sort of and tonight on the you yeah, know, this television yeah. style whole thing. Uh with a list of guest stars that aren't even in the episode, they're just used to spell out the name. They're nailed to a wall, which I think is really funny. And I also think it's cool when you look at this whole process, you know, of, of picking out three episodes over the course of the show, uh, seeing the differences from seven Hmm. to 14 to 25. I think that's a fun exercise. Like I Hmm. think outside of just, you know, trying to, to narrow it down, taking a a look, taking a look at different eras of the show in this way uh, is, is a fun thing to do. And seeing the differences in the animation, you know, 14, uh, was a or thirteen, I should say, was a, a change for them in the way that they animated it. This is a big step up from that. We're in a more modern era, season twenty six, a very underrated season, uh, one of my favorite modern seasons. So I just think it's cool to sort of contrast and compare and hmm. find what you still like about these episodes in the modern era. Um, so we have segment one, and there's actually a lot of cool things about this one that we're going to get to. But this one is school is hell which is uh, actually a reference to Matt Groening's early comic strips and books. He did, you know, Life in Hell, School is Hell, Work is Hell. He did all these books, so they make a little callback to that. Uh, I really like that. Uh, Principal Skinner has put Bart in detention. While dusting a desk, he finds an Aramaic inscription. Lisa uses an app to translate it, which transports the pair to hell, which is a school. 
Bart excels in all of his diabolical subjects and asks his parents if he can study there permanently. Um, some early highlights for me are Bart saying that there is a naked lunch lady and Chalmers trying to look and also Nelson saying, I want to see boobs in the soup. Uh, so we're talking about like sexual jokes in the, yeah. in the Simpsons. This, this episode, especially compared to the last two is a new era of that. Some of the filthiest jokes ever in the show, I would argue are in this episode. I don't know if you caught that. Bob. Oh, look, uh, I probably in at their age I would have been in that crew. Like we're looking <laughs> waiting to see the naked lady at lunch lady. Boobs, boobs in the soup. Uh and I, I you know, again, I love Chalmers just being like, Oh yeah, I knew there was you know, I was just uh yeah, you know, he's like a nervous, he was trying to look. Um and I think that this segment and episode is uh, you know, it's a really good example of just unusual and unique models of the characters. I mean, much mm. like Doctor of uh the island of Dr. Hibbert, much like that. We're seeing versions of, of a lot well, of characters sick. that we've never seen, which is you know why I say the mild similarities that I didn't even think about when I picked them. I always think it's fun to see that in the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Um, it's cool. I, I, sorry, to add to that, it, it's cool to see them adapt. Um, to. I think it speaks to the longevity and the, uh, uh, the, the solidified design of The Simpsons, right? It's like, how can we morph these characters but still, and, and no matter how we morph them, they are going to be recognizable by certain design elements, whether it be, oh, yeah. you know, like the, the color or, or certain hair patterns or whatever it may be. It's always cool to see them like play around for the designs and still keep it identifiable. Yeah. Even if Skinner and Chalmers are a, uh, you know, a two headed <laughs> fish demon monster thing, you know, you gotta, you know exactly who they are. Um, so also uh, there's some cool little Easter eggs too. And the, the one thing that I, I pointed this out, I think I posted about this last year and uh, I don't know if anyone had ever caught it that had not, or or anyone that had seen this, I don't know if they caught it, uh, is in the background when they're walking through the hall, you actually see a class uh, about the ironic punishment division. So you see a kid in the same uh, device uh, that tortures Homer when he's fed the donuts. You see them actually training how to use that machine in the background, which I think, oh, man, you know, that was yeah, such a good call. That back. is such a cool little Easter egg. Uh, and it's just cool to think like, oh, maybe this school hmm. is training people for, uh, you know, just hell in general, which seems to be the point. So I think that's a cool, a cool callback. And also the class that Bart sort of wanders into or is shoved into, uh, is it seems like it is that class. I mean, it's sort of like, yeah, oh, like, how would we yeah, punish someone? How would we pu- punish someone who was caught robbing a bank? Uh, and that, you know, he suggests an ironic punishment. So I think that's hmm. all a cool tie-in. Um, and also, we're talking about Funko. Uh, we're talking about figures that were made from these episodes. Uh, I always thought it was weird that they chose to make a Lisa from this episode, the little demon Lisa in hell. Uh, but they made her in Funko Pop as well. So just proof that Funko doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. They just will make any random you know, character. I, I think it I think it really just depends on who's working that day. You know? <laughs> it's like you might get a Simpsons fans that loves the deep cuts and then you got, you know, someone that's just at high level. But you're right. There it feels like there is no rhyme or reason. And not just the like their Simpsons lines, but even like some of their um their their comic line stuff. It's like who the, f- I can't get this character, but I got this character, you know? <laughs> it's very strange because I remember when they made that Lisa, a lot of people were like, who, who is this supposed to be? Hmm. Or like, which version of Lisa is this? Cause it's not like they tell you on the packaging yeah. what episode she's from, which I would argue they should do Funko. Yeah. Uh, just, just put the episode, help people out a bit, a little bit on that. I mean, they're not all going to know like me, you know, come on, Botter. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, there was an abrupt, um, there was a joke in this one that at first kind of like was I felt abrupt, but the payoff was so good, and uh, that's when Lisa um, uh, 
uh, damn, I, I forgot the joke uh, verbatim, but it's when those uh, those mean girls walk up to her and say that comment and she throws one right back at them. And then next thing you know, they, they stop what they're doing and it starts snowing. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, it would be a cold day in hell when I'd be considered cool. Shit. Great joke. Great joke. Great joke. And also, you know, this episode has what I consider a top five filthy joke in the episode. And I think it happens so, or no, in the show, not hmm. even in the episode. And I think it's really easy to miss, but it's Bart. He goes into this classroom. Like I mentioned, he's shoved in there. So... What would be the appropriate eternal torture for someone who robbed a bank? Uh, someone who robs a bank. How would you punish them for all time? Mm, Jephistopheles? Oh, uh, wh- whipping? Okay, good. No one likes to be whipped, but is there anything more connected to the sin? Torture? What if you made the robber eat bags of money until his stomach exploded? Good. Very good. Mmm. Psychological torment. Pain plus fear. Oh, can you all feel how much richer that is? You get a pumpkin sticker. Ow! (gasps) This has never happened before. I have a crush on my teacher. Down here, we can make that happen. This grown woman teacher in hell looks at him and says, down here, we can make that happen. <laughs> that is a filthy joke. And I remember the first time I saw this episode when it originally aired, hmm. I look at my wife and I say, oh my God. Like they really said that. That's that's, that's really something. And um, this episode also, uh, um, this episode once again puts Bart in a light that I love to see, which is, you know, him making enjoying such a, a very uh, um, interesting uh, predicament, right? Yeah. Like, he excels at this torture school. Uh, I, I thought that was, like, he sucks at regular school, but if there's one thing he's great at is making other people's lives miserable. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of cool to, like, see th- this play on it. Yeah, being a little shithead is something Mark can <laughs> always do. And, I mean, come on, the fact that the hell portal lands in Burns' office and he's just, you know, he's, he doesn't even look up from his desk. He's so used to it. Oh, you, we know you have your choice of uh, portals from hell, but thank you for, you know, using the Burns portal. <laughs> That's all really, really funny. All ties in nicely. And uh, it's just a good one. I think... You know, I would recommend this as a great modern episode, not even just a great modern treehouse. Uh, 26 in general, like I said, is a great place to start. And this one is is really good. Um, let's move on to segment two, Botter. Hit it. A Clockwork oh. Yellow. You want to read this one? Hell yeah. All right. So uh, Clockwork Yellow. Mo has a Clockwork Orange style gang in London along with Lenny, Carl, and Homer. Homer falls for a girl, Marge, uh, who convinces him to quit uh, and the gang falls apart. Years later, Moe's attacked at home in a style similar to his gang's former <laughs> ways and asked Homer to bring the gang back together. Uh, so this is, you know, I think this is going along with the idea uh, that sometimes the the middle segment is a little weaker, although I do think this is funny. It gave them an opportunity to do some weird stuff. We're talking about weird character models that you never see. And, you know, basically this whole segment is just... It's it's fan service for someone who loves Stanley Kubrick. Big time. Yeah. Uh, hell, uh, I mean, getting a little ahead, but that Space Odyssey iPhone yeah. joke was pretty awesome. And oh, I love. Uh, oh, the, I left my iPhone here. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I did love the play on like that perspective uh, uh, shifting. Um, but uh, and I think and I think you're right because for me this segment was probably my least favorite of the three, but primarily because um, I 
I watch my sh- all my shows for the most part with um, subtitles, except for a comedy and especially Simpsons because it sometimes ruins the punchline. Right. So the British accent to me was really tough to kind of make <laughs> out, especially Moe's at least. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was kind of hard to follow at times. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it's cool. You know, you see Homer with, you know, no muzzle and a, and a funny British accent, like you said. Um, it, there's nothing not to like about this one. It just... One and three are so much stronger. Mm. Like, you know, just like in the last treehouse, that this one just, it's there and it's got some funny jokes, but it, it's not, it wouldn't be at the top of anyone's list. Certainly not mine. I will say the set design. Oh, yeah. Um, especially, um, I guess it was like Moe's Tavern, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I love the set design for it. Really intriguing and like it, it fit like that. 70s kind of groovy uh, yeah. era theme. As, as a love letter to Kubrick, it's a cool yeah. episode. And I think if you're a big Kubrick fan, oh, yeah. um, there's a lot to enjoy about it. It's definitely not going to bother you. Uh, regardless, it's just you know not as good as the other two. But we definitely, this is a filthy joke alert. We have another, uh, well, maybe not filthy, but it's, it's, it's a little dirty. And it's a great misdirect, a lot like the vase one, uh, where they say they're going to end the night with a little bit of in and out as they walk <laughs> towards a yeah. woman. And then they stop at the, you know, the unquickie mart and they jump in and out of the, of the automatic door and say in, in and, out. and out, in <laughs> and out. So, you know, that is also a, just a classic example. I think if you use that joke in a classic episode, people would still be quoting it. It's hmm. a funny, it's a funny joke. Um, but it's good. And we also, you know, we st- we talk about callbacks. We have a callback to Sherry Bobbins from the mm. uh, Simpsons, <laughs> Simpson Califragilistic Espialidocious from season eight. Uh, very hard title to say, but it even plays her little theme song. So hmm. I, I think that's a, a cute little callback also. I don't know if cute's the word I want to use, but I used it. So we're going to keep it. <laughs> It's good. Anything else about this one, Botter? Uh, that's all, I think you covered everything I had for it. All right. Segment three. And I got to say, this is my favorite um, of this treehouse, I think. And one of my favorites of, of the modern era, which is why I picked it. Uh, and that is The Others, which is a, a, named after what it is a parody of that I've also never seen. And a parody of The Others, the Simpson family find an unexplained frosty chocolate milkshake and that their TV only shows married with children. After a ghost attacks him in his sleep, Homer summons the ghosts who turn out to be the family's former selves from the Tracy Ullman show. A very strange concept. And this is what I meant when I said, uh, when you see that Tracy Ullman Homer in Treehouse 13, Hmm. it was almost a spoiler for this. Also unintentional. Uh, Since this was the first time you had seen this one, Botter, what did you think of it? It made sense. It was like, yeah, of course you would do this at the 25th milestone. Um, And and I think at this point, point... it was it was kind of cool to see like literally uh, um, one for them to to bring the, that Tracy Ullman uh, show aesthetic into a modern era, but still kind of be faithful to that. Yeah, um, yeah. I tend to like uh, um, like these. Uh, I guess it could be kind of meta. Well, no, it's absolutely meta. Like these these meta <laughs> uh, segments, and, and with it being the twenty fifth, it made me enjoy it a, a lot more because it like you're literally they're literally commenting on their progress. You know, you're visually seeing it and they're make, having an opportunity to poke fun at themselves. Right. And also, you know, they're, they're done in that sort of jerky twister mouthy mm. style that, that people like Wes spaz, and, and David yes, like spaz. Ma- made popular back in the day. Uh, so that's really cool to see. And, and I just think there's a lot uh, to, to love about seeing it 
side by side with the the modern family. And you know, it's not only references to that, but you got frosty chocolate milkshakes, mm-hmm. uh one of Homer's earliest catchphrases in addition to just the style. And that's just fun. It's fun it's fun to see. And the actors even try to do their like early versions of the voice. Like you sort of you hear Homer take his register a little higher. Hmm. Marge is trying to sound a little, you know, not not quite the same. Uh Bart's pretty much the same, but he's a little less refined. I think it's fun and I know that uh, people on the show said, I think Al Jean said it was fun to see the actors try to do it more like their old style. Oh, that's cool. For I bet that, that table read was awesome. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. Who was the, um, uh, the, the, the callback to the, the doctor that actually makes the appearance or their psychiatrist? Yeah. So Dr. Marvin Monroe, mm. uh, a character that never was properly killed off, but is sort of believed to be dead. I think they might've actually had him in the show another time where he wasn't dead, but, uh, you know, from the very popular, uh, season one episode where they go t- for the electroshock therapy, uh, just and and also just a very early character. Uh, so I think it was cool and and to hear him to hear Harry try to do that voice now, uh, it sounded a little tougher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so that's interesting to see that for sure. Um, let's see what else did I write down for this? I mean, th- you know, we literally see Marge kill herself in this episode, so that's a thing. Um, Bart playing uh, uh, Bart tricking Lisa into killing herself was yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> everyone but Homer kills himself. I mean, Homer is the only one that's murdered by the other Homer. All right, I, I got to ask because uh in that same sequence, you know, uh you think Bart jumps out the window, Lisa follows <laughs> follows after him, she ends up dying. Bart's actually on the tree laughing, but uh at some point Willie walks by with he's the one that had killed Maggie and I and I was curious Will, Willie's going to eat the children apparently. <laughs> <laughs> is is that a callback? Or, or maybe uh, a joke to uh, um, who uh, who killed Mr. Burns or who shot Mr. Burns? I, I I thought, I was trying to think, like, is there a reason they're making that joke? Um, I, I think what it really is, if anything, is a callback to the other treehouse where Maggie kills him with the axe. Ah. That, that was okay, what I immediately okay. thought of. I don't know if that was intentional or if I'm making that up. But, you know, where she kills him and says, truly, this is a disturbing universe in a voice that isn't hers. I think that's that's in Treehouse. That's in Treehouse five. I could be wrong about that. But it, she kills him with an axe. Uh, oh, it's it's in the one where Homer uses the toaster to time travel. Got I'm it, forgetting which it. one that is. I believe it's Treehouse five. Um, it's probably the, that. That's, that's a reasonable. That's a reasonable explanation. Yeah. the time. I think it's time and punishment. Hmm. Um, so I think that's what it is. But I could just be completely making that up. Uh, shoot me a DM and tell me if you think I'm crazy. Uh, but I'm always, you know, I'm always going to be a fan of the Simpsons. It, th- and this is a, an ongoing theme throughout all of these, seeing them drawn in different and interesting ways, which we get in a whole new way at the end of this episode. It's always going to make me stoked. I'm always going to love that. What were some of the ones that, that stood out? I feel like there was a, there was a Bob's burger kind of iteration. There's, I, I there's, there's Archer. There's yes, sort of just one. an overall anime style. You got South park. Yep. And if you don't love seeing, you know, I'm not even a fan of this really, but if you don't love seeing the Simpsons drawn as yeah, minions, that was pretty cute. come on. Yeah, and, and, cute. and what I will say, uh, as a collector of Simpsons, uh, Obviously, for the last couple of years, I haven't gone to as many flea markets, but one of the thorns in my side as a collector is looking for Simpsons stuff out and about, <laughs> even in the modern era, and seeing a minion from a distance and thinking it could that be a homer. Uh, and that is something that, you know, you'll see one sticking up from a pile of plushes or hmm. anything. Oh, is that a set? Oh, no, it's just another fucking minion. <laughs> uh, but I would love to, you know, if they would have made those plushes of Simpsons as minions, think about how yeah, much those would have sold. 
I wonder if that was a conscious decision then. Like I, the, the, the similarities being so close in the color schemes. It's, it it's, worked. It, worked it, it did work very nice. And, and I mean, there's some more that I'm not thinking of. There's some sort of drawn in like a, a French style. I'm forgetting the name of that artist, but you see Homer eating snails. Hmm. Uh, just a really cool uh, way to end the episode and just a way to sort of, it's almost like a nod in some strange way to like bootleg culture or just mashup culture. Uh, it just feels very self-aware, self-aware, I should say, in a way that isn't weird. On some um, co- on some cocky shit, I I always uh, I always take that as them letting you know that you know these are all their children. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, it's it's really really good. Um, you know, it finds a way to sort of be sweet. Uh, the references to married with children tie it back to its early days on Tracy Ullman. Um, as I've said before in this podcast, I love Married with Children. Uh, used to air right after or before The Simpsons in the very early days. So I, I just think everything about it is is nostalgic. It's it's interesting. It's weird. The story doesn't really matter. It's another one that stands on the visuals, hmm. uh, and you just get to see some cool stuff. So uh, again, Treehouse Twenty Five Botter, a great modern one. Would you agree? Now that you've seen it. No, absolutely, man. Um, I'm glad I got to see a modern one um, um, and, and and got to appreciate, uh, like I said, like the, the advancement, especially like I, I think for the modern ones, I really lean in more on, on the, the visuals. Uh, I forgot to mention one part about uh, the first segment, School is Hell, that I oh, thought yeah. was a great callback. But Hit to me. see hot stuff, the little devil yeah. show up in it, I thought it was like really cool considering <laughs> that. I have seen him in so many kind of like old comic covers from like the 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 late 1950s and hell even on like candy boxes. So to see him uh, make an appearance on the show, um, I always love like those those cameos and those callbacks to like other pop culture and comic books. Yeah, and he's in Super Hell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I melted yeah. it. You know, I I was trying to think like because you know you had you had kind of like uh you had some um uh, social media uh, haters. Um, hitting you up about your um, recent post, showing some love to the modern uh, modern stuff, right? Oh yeah, um, and your little blankie. How dare they uh, try to come after the? Blankie? Yeah, man. How, how dare you come after my comfort <laughs> blankie? I, I do want to say officially, not to cut you off, Bart. I want to yeah, say yeah. officially on this episode um, that post. You know, there were a few haters, a couple people uh, that felt like they wanted to say something smart. Uh, I, I almost asked those people if they. I almost said, "You must be new here. You must not have followed me for a while." But to, to all the people that commented, I mean, that was such a positive post. And oh, yeah. there were there were even people commenting things like, wow, this is a refreshing comment section. Awesome. This is like really cool to see like such a positive conversation about Modern Simpsons that isn't full of just, you know, dickheads that haven't watched mm-hmm. the show since season 11 or whatever, uh, or they're just parroting the same opinion. You know, I talk about this on the show all the time. Uh, but I was just really stoked to see that sort of response. And I know that there's, I'm sure there's even some of you that listen to this show that still disagree with me, but I appreciate the, the amount of respect that goes on, on, on the social media when it comes to that, but also the amount of just appreciation that you're, you're able to disagree without saying things like, uh, glad you still have your comfort blankie baby dork. (laughs) Uh, and no, I know that, that person that doesn't listen. Corny. There's no way they do. Like, it was also clearly a burner account. Yeah. But I would just say, and obviously I don't care about that stuff, and I haven't even thought about it since, but fuck you. There we go. <laughs> uh, well, So I will, I will say this. I was trying to get in the... I was trying to play uh, devil's advocate, which I think is appropriate for um, uh, this episode. Absolutely. Segment. But, um, for sure. I was trying to get into their minds of like, okay, why wouldn't I... Why wouldn't I like this aside from 
the the nostalgia and you know loving the, the older episodes because it brings me back and i think the only critique I, I think i would have as far as why these aren't my absolute favorites is that it's a little jarring at times like when lisa uses the iphone or the app to translate sure. it is a little jarring to see i think modern stuff in simpsons like an iphone or an app like it throws you off for a minute fair um but it makes sense it's like well yeah these episodes are like out today and if we're looking at the um uh, citizen kang episode or krang episode um no it's kang, kang i'm it. sorry i'm sorry that citizen kang episode i'm sure that if you know you were around it, during that time and the presidential elections happening it probably feel just as like jarring and very on the nose like sure. oh wow this is really dating it right sure so i think that's it is that we're watching um i felt like i was watching it date itself a, a little bit in the sense of like oh there's a there's an iphone app joke right um <laughs> and, and i think sometimes the the jokes are a little self-aware like homer makes a joke in that school is hell segment where uh, he says uh, something about uh, private schools and, um, uh, you know, he, he's meeting with the, the principal and they joke about private schools and, and whatnot. Right. And I, I thought it was a little on the nose in the sense of it could have been delivered a little, like, sly. Uh, sure. It's very, like, boom, here's the joke about private schools. Here's how we feel about <laughs> it. But other than that, it's like, you know, once you get past that, it's like, well, yeah, this you know, like the, the iPhone thing and dating itself, it just, I don't know, once you get past it and realize, well, yeah, they're still producing episodes to this day. How are they right. not going to make modern references, you know? And, and it's proof that time flies because I remember, uh, you know, season 26, like it just happened. Like that, I, you know, I, I didn't watch, I, I'm sure people know this by now from listening to the show, but I didn't watch consistently from the beginning. Mm. I, there were times where I fell off or I became interested in other things and just, you know, was working or didn't yeah. have the time to watch every Sunday. Mm. Uh, so I had my times where I fell off too. But, you know, at this point, I've been watching every Sunday again for the last almost 10 plus years, wow. which does not seem possible. So when I think about this episode and I watched it when it aired originally, thinking about the fact that that was already seven years ago almost is kind of nuts. You know what? I'm gonna flip it on, on that uh, that blanky comment because I think that you really more so have a comfort blanket rewatching those epi old episodes. And maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but when I rewatch them, the nostalgia is the comforting thing, right? That is my comfort blanket because you know they're making references to that time frame, right? And it's been so long that it um, um, it brings me back. Like it feels good to think about what it was like watching it as a kid and being carefree, you know? 100%. Um, versus now where it's like, okay, that was very uh, uh, a today thing to say. Um, so to, to to what I meant to get at was, fuck that dude. And he's the <laughs> one with a fucking comfort blanket if he can't see, you know, if he's not able to commend what they're doing to this day now. Yeah, also, don't, don't comment from your burner account. If you want to talk shit to me, just DM me. <laughs> I'll whoop your ass. All right. All right. Well, you know what? We, we put in too much uh, spotlight on, on negativity because to your point, I, I was going through that thread and it was really refreshing to not only see people, um, um, both, both, um, both posts, the one about modern episodes, but also the ones that you were asking for uh, Halloween stories and their oh, opinions. Yeah. It was cool to see that conversation had both people sharing like their favorite episodes, but also having like a tasteful, like, you know, 
uh, conversation. Hey, these might not be my favorite, but you know, this is why, and we'll agree to disagree. Yeah, it's really good. So uh, this is going to be a long episode. You guys are probably listening to this in like two. Episode, yeah, man. you're Come probably on. listening to this in like two or three sessions, and I, I respect that. I'm gonna let it be long. But I, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this was not only to talk about. Uh, you know, some treehouse stuff, but also Halloween in general, but also get the listeners involved. And I did not expect as much of a response. I was very stoked in the response, which as usual means I can't read everybody's comment, but we're going to read a lot of them. And I'm going to trade off with Botter. And, and what I did was I asked two questions. Uh, one of them was about uh, what do you think is an underrated treehouse episode and why, essentially? And, you know, what is a time that you dressed up as a Simpsons character? Sort of give me a story. I will say I love all of you, but some of you literally just said, I dressed up as Lisa once. Eh, it's not much of a story, but I still appreciate I still appreciate the feedback. So we're going to read some of these comments, and we're going to start with the the underrated episodes. And this is what some of you said. Some of you gave me both answers, so I split those up, and uh, we will go from there. The first one... Uh, is from Sam Grinberg, a care a current character layout artist on The Simpsons. I love when Sam writes in. Sam is awesome, and he said Hell to Pay uh, is his most underrated, and I agree with him because that almost was my underrated episode. Hmm. Uh, I, I think that one was very funny. Seeing Homer uh, with Snake's hair. Uh, talking like Snake is is very funny. So I agree with that. Bought to read that next one. All right, this one comes from uh, Kurt Couture. Um, honestly, when Bart and Lisa are Hansel and Gretel and find the witch in the woods and she says she has a date with George Cauldron <laughs> and then they kill her and George Cauldron turns up to take her out saying, is Suzanne ready yet? <laughs> <laughs> a, good a, a really good one. And I'm not going to hang around on these too long because I have talked your head off uh, for about two hours. So we're just going to keep it moving. The next one is from Logan Monty Burke. He says, Homer squared was always a standout to me. I remember my dad had recorded a marathon of Treehouse of Horror episodes one night. If I recall correctly, a few days later, we got a ton of snow and school was operating on a two-hour delay. So my dad took me into his work before school. He works in a warehouse, so he set up a TV in a meeting room and kept me occupied with the VHS tape, and I was in paradise. Seeing a 3D Homer in the real world as a young kid was so much fun, despite how sad the story made me. That is a great Man. recollection, Logan. All right. Um, I got this one up next. And I'm, I'm happy to land on on this uh, the, the next submission, because it comes from Olivia Blackstone, which oh, I yeah. feel like every time we record an episode, uh, she always submits. So I'm always um, happy to read uh, Olivia is loyal. Shout out to For Olivia. For sure. All right. So she writes, um, season two's Treehouse of Horror, period, specifically the Raven segment. While the entire episode is a classic, this rendition of The Raven has uh, stuck with me throughout my life and was my first introduction to Poe. The segment made a generation that would otherwise likely be unaware of Poe, very accurately interested in the piece, and I think it's a generally high-quality retelling of the poem. They didn't fat it up for entertainment like the later Bible story episodes. It's real, it's art, and it's good. Very underrated, in my opinion. I I, I have nothing yeah. to say with about that other than I completely agree. I've heard uh, some people, you know, say that they could do without the Raven segment. I think it's one of the best it, uh, ever. I love it. It stands out, man. It's just like they went for it. They wanted like to pay some some proper respect to a uh, a legend and icon. And I think that episode stands out for all the best reasons. Yeah, and you want to talk about just a visually stunning segment, especially oh, to man. be in the first one. Oh, come on, true. Okay, so the next one is from DP0704. He says, or they say, Treehouse of Horror 15. My favorite segment is four beheadings and a funeral. 
I love the Sherlock Holmes vibe, and I'm intrigued about the taste of eel pie. <laughs> Sounds disgusting. Yeah. All right, next up is uh, Caleb.jg00. Uh, uh, they write, for me, the most underrated Treehouse of Horror is probably Treehouse of Horror 12, season 13. Hey, Botter. Hey. The one you watched. I'd say it's on par with some of the classic, but it gets less attention due to it being from a slightly later season. Uh, seeing as though you watched that one on accident, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. That first um, that first segment is spectacular. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, especially the, the House of Wax is by far my, my definitely standout one. Oh, yeah. And WizKids is, is a great parody of Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, which which people need to remember came out before or was made was being made before the movie came out i was just about to ask yeah. how closely uh how how close that timeline was I, I think the treehouse episode aired like a few days either before or after the movie did so that's awesome it was so based directly well off the books not that's the awesome. not the movie yeah okay that makes me appreciate it even more that's good uh at some tune cat says when it comes to treehouse of horror i have to say i'm a big fan of 23 all three segments put me in the halloween mood that's awesome yeah good yeah. one all right, next up is uh, RPFT Voice. Uh, they write, for me, Treehouse of Horror, what is that, six? Yeah, six. six. Uh, but specifically, Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace is so underrated. I love how they used a horror genre movie, Nightmare on Elm Street, as a basis. Not afraid to show these murders and kills of characters. In fact, I'm so disappointed they never used the Friday the 13th Scream or Halloween as a featured plot. In fact, when it got remade back in 2018, I thought for sure The Simpsons would have capitalized on the buzz. Imagine the Krusty the Clown as it would have been perfect. Yeah, you know, I, I, I actually had to look it up because in my mind, I when I read this comment, I was like, didn't they do something related to it? But I, I, I guess they didn't, hmm. uh, which seems odd. Uh, so I got I, I got to agree with them on that. Maybe yeah, they, they could have done some. They could have done more with that. Too low hanging fruit, maybe. It could have. Yeah, I guess you could say. That. And I will say, in terms of Friday the Thirteenth, they never did a segment about it, but they did have Jason sit on the couch once. Huh. So yeah, there that's you go. right. That's right. Yeah, they did. Uh, all right. Uh, at official dude Trejo is next. He says, in my opinion, one of the most underrated Treehouse of Horror segments has to be Dial Z for zombies. It's such a great one, but for some reason, never gets brought up in conversation. It might be because it's in Treehouse of Horror 3 and overshadowed by Clown Without Pity. Nevertheless, I love the segment and its return of the Living Dead vibes. Honorable mention, The Day the Earth Looks Stupid. <laughs> Chief Wiggum gives Orson Welles the idea for Rosebud by telling him, I'll pop you in the nose, bud. One of my favorite jokes in the entire series. Check it out and I hope you laugh as hard as I do. I like I like the, the fact that he is genuinely recommending these to the other awesome. commenters. So shout out to Official Dutreo for that. Um... That was good. Yeah, I, I, there were so many good comments about, you know, underrated segments. And uh, I remember someone, I, I thought I wrote this one down. I guess I, I took it off. Uh, they said Easy Bake Coven, uh, which is, is one of my favorites as well. And I'm surprised more people did not say that. Uh, so lastly, uh, I asked all of you to tell me about some times that you dressed up as a Simpsons character. Oh, I'm uh, looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, you heard me and Botter talk about it up top a little bit. Uh, Botter has, I never have. Uh, but there were some great stories and some of you DM'd me photos uh, and just all around, like just great. And I, I'm going to try to post some of those when this episode goes gotcha. live. So gotcha. when you're listening to this, you should go and look at the photos. Hopefully they are there now. Uh, Botter, do you want to read that first one from yeah. Connor Lestoka? All right. They write, uh, have gone as Poochie and also as King Size Homer and my mm. wife as the drinking bird. I have pictures of both. And Connor, uh, an Hell early yeah. guest of the podcast, he sent me those photos. So fucking good. The I drinking bird costume is great. I will be posting that. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. <laughs> um, next, a comment from at Fine Art Simpsons, a great Instagram account that you should all be following. They said, 
I've dressed up as Homer in his camera hat, Idaho with my lovely wife as Florida, and the wondrous wizard of Latin, currently working on a moo-moo for this year. So everybody, Homer, everybody's man. ripping off Botter. Okay, on, everybody. I love it. All right. Uh, this next one comes from uh, Chris Caverner. Chris Cavanier. I'm not sorry. sure. I'm not sure how to say that, nah, Chris. Yeah. But shout out to you. Yeah, Chris writes. Uh, I dressed up as a Duff man once, but I was pretty chubby. Still am. Thanks, food. So <laughs> everyone thought I was not chubby. Bray, it sucked, bro. <laughs> Chris, I feel you on Yo, that, and I completely understand. I've, I'm sorry that I people. Could, uh, I'm sorry people were mean to you, Chris. All right, I, I could. I, I could kind of see that, in, in the sense of like the color schemes are damn identical. Similar. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. They both got a cape. Uh, I mean, yeah. not your Libre don't wear a hat, but maybe maybe Chris was high. Yeah. Took the hat off. That's good. Uh, this one, we have another comment from Logan Monty Burke. Uh, he said, a few years ago, I went to a party with my fiance where I dressed as a kind of half-assed, beardless Captain McAllister, but at least I had the hat. May, Shout out to minute. you, Logan. <laughs> All right, next up is from uh, Malix3002. Uh, right, dressed as Bart Simpson, my favorite character, when I was five, around 94. My mom made me the costume by hand, but we were not able to find Bart's mask, so I bought Homer's instead. <laughs> I was a happy hybrid, and my mom was okay with it. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. I mean, as long as people Keeping knew, family. as long as people knew who you were, I think I think that's a win. Um, and I'm just glad that so many people, because when I asked these questions, I was like, oh, a lot of people probably have, you know, thoughts about underrated episodes. Who knows how many people have dressed up as Simpsons characters. I'm happy to report a lot of you have, which is, which is great. Um, the next one is from at crest white strips, uh, a great handle. I'm not sure why I like it, but it's very... Pl- is it verified? They got a little blue, <laughs> blue, uh, blue check? Yeah, it's from Crest. Uh, the official Crest account. Uh, one time I dressed up as the inanimate carbon rod. Only one person knew who I was, but to be fair, they were also dressed like Duffman. Uh, I'm glad Ooh. you were able to make a connection at that party. <laughs> I mean, look, it might have been uh, Chris in the previous one. I need a photo of that costume. Yeah. So send that to me, please. All right. We got... Um, next one is from Marilyn uh, Misandry. Uh, they write, I did Patty and Selma in drag with my best, uh, Judy, Judy Lil, for a Simpsons drag cabaret I produced about three or four years ago. We had drag numbers from Maggie, Edna, Ned, and Lisa. It was so fat. That sounds awesome. Yeah, shout out to you. you they, they sent me photos uh, of, of that as well, and it, it looked awesome. That's so, cool. yeah, really, really great. I appreciate that. Uh, the next one is from at Pizza Flip to Fakey, uh, some, another great screen name. I made Lisa's Florida costume with discarded boxes I found behind my local Kroger. Shout out to Kroger. Uh, I wore it to a Halloween show taking place in a basement, and I took up far too much space, but I did a great <laughs> job. And yes, I had oranges taped <laughs> to myself awesome. as well. That so, is awesome. Very good. All right, very this good. next one is from at X underscore, underscore girlfriend. Uh, they write, one year I had my hair bleached and short, so I figured I could do an easy Bart Simpson. I just threw on an orange shirt, blue jean shorts, and vans. And anytime someone would ask who I was, I got to say, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? <laughs> it was perfect. I would argue that is a great reason to dress as Bart Simpson yeah. uh, just to answer in that way. So that's, I mean, Botter, you got the hair, bro. You should just bleach it one year and be Bart. You're right. Yeah, I'm getting some ideas. Yeah, I'm getting some I, crazy I think that's, good ideas. I think that's great. Um, the next one is from at Woohoo Trivia Van, uh, which is the Woohoo Trivia from Vancouver. Hmm. Um, uh, uh, an awesome trivia that has multiple uh, multiple locations do it. The awesome. original one's from Chicago, I believe. There's a few around, uh, so shout out to them. They said, my fave was probably my Malibu Stacy, included a pull tab, 
Last one in 2019 was the hot dog vendor <laughs> putting my kids through college. And I just started plotting this year's. So Ooh. I'm excited to see what yeah. that is. I believe they sent, or maybe they posted or sent it to me. I can't remember a photo of the Malibu Stacy. It was very good. That's awesome. It was good. All right. This next one is from uh, at Lucy underscore not underscore Becky. My twin sister and I were Patty and Selma for Halloween when we were in college. Uh, shout out to, I'm assuming uh, your twin is named Becky. <laughs> I'm assuming that is what that name means. I wonder That's if uh, the other one is Becky underscore not Lucy. Uh, that, I, w- I hope so. I might have to look that up. Uh, the next one is from at Mr. Potter 99. Got just a couple more here. And then I have a great story that was sent to me that I just felt like I had to read in its entirety. But Mr. Potter 99 says, I remember one year in the late 2000s, I found a deluxe Mo mask. Hmm. I was so excited and surprised to find someone outside of the main family, especially since he's my favorite character. I threw together an apron and tie and even carried around a can of duff, which was nasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right, last and not least, uh, uh, this one comes from at Christina Rocco. I dressed up as Duffman for a Halloween party. I wore a leotard and no pants, basically a one <laughs> bathing suit, and it ended up being a kid's party. I was the only person dressed inappropriately. <laughs> Dude, uh, Duffman costume is just cursed. Yeah, Duff, Duffman is just, you know, you're either it's being called you're either being called Nacho Libre or you're being called inappropriate mm-hmm. and asked to mm-hmm. leave. So no shout out to Christina for, for trying that. So this next story, uh, or this this final story, or the only story, however you want to look at it, that I'm going to read was sent to me in DM uh, from uh, user at Yelp to the Max. And I was going to just hit the bullet points, but I just thought this was so funny. Uh, so I figured I would round out the episode with this before we get out of here. Uh, so I'm just going to read, uh, I'm going to read all of it. I'd like to tell you about some unwanted, but hilarious attention I received one year for my Halloween costume. Every year I like to dress as a character from one of my favorite films or TV shows. I've been Marty McFly, Ferris Bueller, Seymour Krelborn, Billy Peltzer, Wayne Campbell, and even Teen Wolf. The one character I can relate to the most is Millhouse. <laughs> In 2012, I decided that would be a perfect Halloween costume since I already sort of look like him. I bought some blue hair dye, red glasses, and yellow body paint. I also borrowed some red Converse from a coworker, carried my talking Krusty doll, and, at the advice of David Silverman on Twitter, accentuated my eyebrows by dyeing a fake mustache blue and cutting it in half. The costume was a big hit at the party, and I won the contest at work. Hell yeah. I decided to share it on a few social media sites, including a Simpsons fan Tumblr. Almost a year went by, and I decided to go back and look at the Tumblr post. I had received several likes and a handful of friendly comments from other Simpsons fans. Some blogs had even reposted my photo. One of those blogs caught my attention. It was called Tumblin' with Hotties. <laughs> I like where this is going. Tumbling with hotties. I like where this is going. Curiosity got the best of me, and I clicked on the link to see what this blog was all about. My screen was filled with images of hardcore gay porn <laughs> and absolutely no Halloween and/or Simpsons content. I screamed and quickly clicked back on my browser. I then noticed the caption added to the repost of my innocent Halloween costume was. Fuckable Millhouse. (laughs) (laughs) At the time, I was 32 and I was dressed like a 10-year-old boy. Oh, man. I didn't scroll through the post to see if there were other non-erotic Halloween costumes posted, but from what I saw, my image definitely 
didn't fit the theme of the blog. Uh, big shout out to Yelp, it, Yelp to the Max for that for that it. story. Uh, that is really great. I love the idea of you being like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go see how my photo is so doing on Tumblr. Too. So innocent. And the next thing you know, my man is just getting a screen full of penis. Yo, ad blocker going crazy. <laughs> Work computer uh, on fire, man. Not that there's anything wrong with hardcore gay porn. Nah. Uh, but when you're not expecting it, it's a little <laughs> jarring. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, a little, a little jarring. Um, so... Again, I want to send a big shout out to everyone that listens to this podcast or follows me on either account who submitted a story. Uh, even the ones I didn't get to read, as you can as you can see, this episode went very long, so I knew there's no way I could read all of them. But I really, you know, even some of the ones DM'd and emailed to me. But just a big shout out to everyone, man. I hope you know. I hope everyone's excited about Halloween. I hope everyone's watching a ton of Treehouse of Horror. I hope if you haven't seen the ones that we talked about, that you go and watch them. And I want to thank Botter for you know recording an in live and in person even podcast with me about Halloween to kick off October properly. And uh, as always, you know I just had a blast uh, with Botter, but just making this episode specifically. Uh, so thank you, Botter. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, well, my pleasure, man. I am I am in such a good. Uh, mood. I'm I'm excited to really like take in the Halloween uh, spirit and and vibe this month. And I know exactly what I'm going to have in the background, uh, probably for the rest of the month. A lot of the Treehouse <laughs> Horror episodes. You got a solid community, and and to echo what you said, a lot of these recommendations and people sharing like these anecdotes and stories. It, it's great. It's probably my favorite part of coming on. Uh, Simpsons is greater than. Oh man, I, I appreciate that. And I'm sorry, uh, you know, once in a while I get a message where people say, hey, you know what happened to the Q&As? Um, I take full responsibility for that. Uh, as I've said many times on this podcast, it's kind of hard to run a podcast by yourself, but Botter is still going to be around. I've also, as I often say, got some really cool plans uh, for the podcast moving forward. Going to try some new things. I know I've said that before, but just trust me. Uh, and I think we're, I think you're all going to really enjoy what we're getting into. Um, Botter, before we actually wrap it up, do you have anything that you want to add? Do you want to plug anything for Shortbox? Do you just have, do you have anything uh, as my fellow pod boy that you want to shout out? Hell yeah, man. Um, for sure. I, I'm, we got to, yeah, we got, if, if they ask for the Q&A episodes, I mean, I can only assume they want to hear more of my voice uh, <laughs> on this podcast. So let's go ahead and, and Should have never happen. told Botter that. <laughs> we got to at least get one in before the, the year's over. I, I know agree. you got a lot of solid plans, but let's go and treat the fans, man. I'll, I, I'll I be, agree with that. I agree I'll be happy that. to come back. But um, I'll go ahead and say, if, if you do want more uh, of my voice and, and whatnot, and you're a comic book fan, or just someone that's been enjoying a lot of the, the Marvel content and Disney Plus stuff, uh, check out my podcast. It's called The Short Box Podcast. Uh, we talk about comic books. We interview some of the best comic book creators in the industry, uh, we have a ton of, of character and, and comic book spotlights. So if you enjoy that, search for the Short Box Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Give that a subscribe. We're also on social media like Twitter and Instagram. Uh, connect with us. Yeah, shout out to that. Shout out to Shortbox. Shout out to Botter. And again, go listen to uh, my episode of Straight Chilling from last year. It's the one about Treehouse of Horror 1 through 4. And get geared up and ready for the one coming later this month. Uh, Straight Chilling, they review a different horror movie once a week. I got a great crew over there. Hell yeah. So I just want to shout Close them on. out again, especially because I'm going to be on it, which clearly makes it better. And uh, just, you know, I love all of you. Fucking have a great Halloween. Have a great October. Uh, and just stay safe out there, man. Uh, and we'll see you next week. For sure. Peace. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out the official Instagram at Simpsons is greater than, or follow me on Twitter at Simpsons is great. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, 
Just search for Bard of Darkness on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for checking this out. I'll see you next week. can do is eat and sleep and mate and roll around in your own filth and mate and eat. Where do I sign up?